0: heads, we are back. We appreciate your patience. I know it's been a while, but we are bringing you lots and lots and lots of awesome interviews from the 2019 SHOT Show from the official Lead Quarters at Buck Knives Booth, and joining me today to help ring in our, our 2019 SHOT Show interviews, we've got our good buddy, Bill Doe. Bill, welcome in. Thank you. Like you are not. You're happy that you're off for a couple of days. That's what you're happy
1: about.
0: Yeah, my God. Two days off because of the weather.
1: This is great. I feel like I'm back in fifth grade, as
0: you said. You were off because the government shut down, and now you're off because of, what is it, weather? Yeah, negative seven outside right now. Oh, my gosh. Government shuts down for the weather now, huh? What happened to rain, sleet, or snow? Oh, is that just the mail?
1: I think that's just the post office. (laughs) They even stopped the letter carriers (laughs) from going out today.
0: Very good. And also joining us... This episode, two very special guests. We're bringing back our good buddy, Brooksy from Buck Knives. Brooksy, welcome back. Hey, Vince. How's it going? Good yeah, to man. Be on. So you guys are uh, up there in Idaho. Bill's in Michigan. He's got negative, what'd you say, Bill? Five, six degrees? Up around there with negative 24 to 30 <laughs> <wind> chill.
1: <laughs>
0: oh, my God. It's, it's awesome. How's Idaho's weather?
2: Uh, actually not too bad. I'd say we were, we're probably right around the freezing mark right now, aren't we? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. So you guys aren't that cold. Uh, No. 22 this
2: morning coming in, but that's nothing compared to what Billy's got.
0: poor Billy. (laughs) Poor Billy. Yeah. Uh, You guys also heard another voice there. And as you're, as you're hearing this right now, this will be our first time uh, introducing him to you lead heads, but he's, he's actually been on the show before we had him on. During the uh, 2019 shot show, and he did several interviews with us, was a great co-host. We've got CJ Buck. What's up, CJ? Uh,
3: not the temperature. He
0: is, he is the man at Buck Knives. He's the sure. name behind the brand. Fourth generation. Yeah, wow. Fourth
4: generation.
0: Four generations of Buck Knives since 1902.
4: Yeah.
5: No, that's true. My great grandfather, apprentice blacksmith, making knives on the side. And uh, that was the beginning of Buck Knives.
0: That started the whole family legacy right there. Yes, it did. What's What's really cool is just about everybody that came up to the booth to talk, introduce themselves, guests that we had on the show, their first knife was a buck knife. You know, er, Without fail, I don't think anyone that's talked about the knives that they had a knife, didn't say that buck knives was the first knife or that they had got it from their father or their grandfather.
5: No, it's, you know, we we enjoy the fact that Buck was a lot of people's first night, we want to make sure that Buck's their next night.
0: Which you guys are really stepping it up, and uh, I think we should just probably go ahead and cut into that interview that we kicked SHOT Show off with, and that was with CJ. So let, let's cut into that interview, guys, and uh, he's going to touch on the history, a little bit of the history, and uh, of course, we hit him with the new guy question. But real quick, leadheads, heads, go do me a favor. Go over to Ride On Optics, the official optics of Talking Lead. That's R I T O N. RightonOptics.com, and check out their new Mod 7, 1 to 8, and 4 to 32 by 56. You guys are going to love those new scopes they've got. Also, check out their red dots and those awesome binoculars you hear me talking about all the time. And also, a couple episodes ago, we had Chad from Caltech Weapons on and he was telling us about their new pistol they've got out it's in a 22 long caliber really cool shoots great had the opportunity to shoot that and their new ks7 12-gauge shotgun the single tube bullpup 12-gauge shotgun guys go to keltechweapons.com check them out as well all right lead heads the moment you have been waiting for we are at the 2019 shot show we have arrived we didn't bust shot show or bust right pepper And we are at the official lead quarters, Buck Knives, ladies and gentlemen. And we have the man himself, C.J. Buck, joining us. Welcome in, C.J. Good to be here. So uh, I'm sure a lot of you lead heads know who C.J. is, but for those who have been living under a rock, tell them about yourself, C.J.
5: Well, uh, so Buck Knives, family business, started by my great-grandfather back in 1902. He was, a, he was an apprentice blacksmith who made knives on the side in Leavenworth, Kansas. My grandfather ended up in San Diego, California, joining the Navy and just fell in love with the area. Right. So at some point in the mid-40s, my great-grandfather, who'd been hand-making custom knives uh, his for his life, uh, moved in with his oldest son in San Diego, uh-huh. and the two of them were H.H. H. Buckinson, Lifetime knives. And the the story was that the knives were guaranteed for life. If you had any problem, they'd fix it, make it better, make it okay. But it was all mail-order custom knife. My great-granddad passed away in 49. My grandfather kept it going in San Diego with my father, my uncle, and my grandmother's younger brother, Chuck Schapter. So the four of them would make knives, sharpen saws, and tune and repair lawnmowers. Wow so my dad was the San Diego Sears craftsman lawnmower repair guy he's one of the original one of the originals so uh, we incorporated in 1961 with 12 people in 1964 we introduced the 110 folding hunter which is when most people think of an iconic buck product it's the 110 folding hunter brass on both ends folding lock back right my dad had several of those oh they I think those knives have cleaned more deer more bear more elk more animals than, anything, than yeah. anything else other than chip flint, probably. Sure. <laughs> uh, so so that knife really put us on the map. We grew like a weed. We relocated in 2005 from San Diego, California to Post Falls, Idaho. So California was just becoming a, a less-than-friendly place for manufacturing. So we needed to—we just couldn't compete cost-wise with uh, the rest of the knife business. Right and we realized our customers didn't really care to pay more for a knife so that we could live in san diego california <laughs> so so we relocated to post falls a great city tomorrow no, uh... let's see tomorrow at one30 thirty we'll have the governor of idaho in our booth oh yeah so it is i i, I will tell you i never had the governor of california come visit <laughs> but in idaho i've had every senator Every congressman, we only have two. Every congressman right. and every sitting governor has come to visit Buck Knives Except in Post California. Falls, Idaho. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, we're here at Shot Show. Love to be here. Um, you know, my, my. It is
0: a great show. I mean, it's it, it is everything that you guys have heard about and more. It's until you until you've experienced, you just it's hard to really describe.
5: It, it, Depending upon what you bring in, if you're if you're coming in to do business or if you're just coming in to be a kid in a candy shop, <laughs> uh, you know everybody puts out their best stuff. So we have all our new products out here, uh, all the gun companies, rifle companies, uh, tactical accessory companies. Everybody puts out. Their new products—it's the, it's the best they have to offer. You're seeing stuff that's not even introduced yet, right? So it, first it, to
0: see kind of stuff. Yes, it's
5: it's a lot of fun just to see where the directions everybody's going. Yeah, it is.
0: And uh, we were we were talking a little bit earlier. We did a, a live broadcast earlier, so I hope you guys uh, tuned into that. But as you're listening to this, uh, kind of let's talk about some of the the new offerings that Buck Knife is doing, and I want to talk about that, Ebony. Program as well. Okay, um,
5: so the, the the you know I'd mentioned in the live broadcast that uh, you know our focus is on value. So it's on functionality and value. It, my grandfather was he just couldn't stand gimmicks. He didn't like unneeded bells and whistles. So everything he did with a knife was all focused on if it didn't add to function, it he had didn't add it to the knife. Yeah. So yeah. so what we've done is we've taken uh, uh, a very Hardcore approach to functionality. So we've taken our 110, 112, which we're famous for. We talked about earlier, and we've we've put those into a, a value uh, product line where we've taken uh, S30V steel and mesh that with a G10 handle, or we've meshed that with uh, a linen Micarta handle, so that you have it's it's not real sexy, and yet. It kind of is. It kind of is, it, yeah. It's it just. Uh, uh, the
0: micarta linen is.
5: It just looks good. It's got a it great look. Functional. to it. The texture, yeah. The texture is wonderful. Linen micarta is a great handle material. It, yeah. it actually has, because it's so porous, the oils of your hand don't build up on the surface. They actually absorb in. Soap they in. absorb in and move so that the, the surface, it never gets slippery. Yeah. It, it's it's a way better material than, uh, than plastic. Yeah, no, no doubt. Uh, and then you had mentioned the Ebony project. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, really excited nice. about uh, about the Ebony project. So, <clears throat> the 110, 112, uh, the the Folding Hunter and the Ranger. Yeah, we have been using a a resin impregnated laminated birch wood for handles, which is a great material. Right. Um but uh, so we've been using that since the I want to say since the early '80s. Oh, that, that long. That's been our okay. handle material. Up until then, we used real ebony, and there, and because of the deforestation issues and the rainforest, it became and just harder some concerns, to get. Yeah. it became harder to get. We decided that we would move to a material that was more controllable.
0: Mm-hmm.
5: Well, what's happened is a gentleman by the name of Bob Taylor. Taylor Guitars. Taylor
0: Guitars, yeah. In
5: order to make sure that, that, that their acoustic guitars had the proper wood, and, and knowing that from a conservation standpoint that forest management, sustainable forest harvest is really doable. Right. They went to Africa and trained a, a village of people to manage their local forest so that it would become completely sustainable. And there's there's so much there's so much to that there's there's so much methodology that here in the United States, our forestry industry has done amazing work in how to how to optimize a harvest Mm -hmm. and have a regrowing forest. Coming right in behind it, just can, keep it. Keep, it just, circle just keep, going. keep yeah. that circle going, and it's very doable, and it works. But
0: the great thing about what he's doing, also, and what you guys are doing, is you know you're providing an economy, you know, a way of life
5: for these people that you know they yes. wouldn't normally have had. Well, normally, normally, because it's such of a desperation element mm-hmm. that normally the people just denude the local landscape yeah. and they to had get they every left. ounce of value that they can possibly get and then they get paid a fraction for that mm-hmm. and so it just it it's terrible it's unsustainable so what he's done is he's come in he has partnered with these villagers to do a sustainable harvest a whole methodology uh and it and it's going to be there for them generation he, after and, generation and yeah. he's sharing that value with them From a training standpoint, education standpoint, food, water, uh, a whole way of life, Right. Uh, I mean, just kudos, kudos to somebody who thinks that big to do that. Yeah, and
0: we're going to be lucky enough to have him on the show this week. Yes, sir. So we're looking forward to that. That's going to be a good time. So hopefully you'll co-host with me on that one. I'd be happy to. Okay, that will be awesome. That'd Mm. be great. So... um, we were getting into cerakote on our live, and uh, it kind of petered out on us. So we want to pick that up, that conversation up here also. So you're yep. getting into, you guys are getting into doing some cerakoting.
5: So cerakoting is a, it's a ceramic bake-on paint. Uh, because it's a paint, we are completely unlimited in our choice of color, uh,
0: color the, pattern, everything, everything. Yeah. Sky's so the there, limit.
5: There's so much. So it, not only is it a beautiful. Uh, I mean, it's, just, it's a really sexy coating. It's, it's just a gorgeous coating. It adds, in, in the spirit of my grandfather, it adds functionality. So this, this ceramic coating, once it's baked on, it provides a wonderful bearing surface. It contributes to corrosion resistance. Right. And so if you've got moving parts, I mean, the gun industry's done a lot of work on the lubric- the surface lubricity of these parts. So if you've got moving parts, like a knife action, that knife's gonna function better with the Cerakote than it will without. Right. Uh, And not only that, if you've got a blade material, so as as we get into some of these custom blade materials, you sacrifice a little corrosion resistance to pick up a lot of edge retention and Mm -hmm. ductility. The the Cerakote on a high-end steel gives you back that corrosion resistance so it balances
0: it back out it really
5: does it it just makes for an amazing product we're super proud we have brought the machinery we have a robotic application inside our company okay so we have brought this application inside our company it's one of the things we've been doing we've we've had a capital investment program within our company to bring some of these some of these processes that we were outsourcing, mm-hmm. we've brought them in where we control it. So we've done our own heat treating since the late 60s. Total control over that, super right. proud of it. We've brought in CNC machining, we've brought in high speed routers. We're now we now brought in the Seracote where we control it, we own it, I can get exactly what get exactly you want, we get exactly what when we want, want it, it, how many it, you want. <laughs> if it screws up, it's fixed in a heartbeat. Right. Where you and know that right that type of control right. Of, of making sure that what we deliver totally functions. Well, anyway, it that's also, just a key it also
0: our- your quality control. You know, you've got yes, you've got everything under your roof where you can control and keep you know the quality. It's percent.
5: Uh, it, it just makes a huge difference when you control it, right? And you care because we're you know we're not just here to put out a, a red something rather. Something I mean, red, this is a red yeah. buck knife. Red, <laughs> it's, blue, it's got a function, yeah. yeah. But
0: yeah. Uh, talk about what uh, which line you're putting the the coats on and. What okay. they can expect with that?
5: So we we have a compadre series that we were doing a uh, It was called a traction coat, but it was a it was a powder coat, and we've eliminated all the powder coat, and now we're switching that line over to the sera okay. Much better, uh, much better application. Well, we're also going to get back into doing. Um, this is going to sound rambling, but um, we do a pack light series, which is a, a skeletal knife mm-hmm. series. And we used to do orange, because when you lay an orange knife down on the ground, you rarely lose it. Right, it shows up. Yeah. And so, uh, but the traction coating, the powder coat, wasn't a good application, so we discontinued that. We're going to be bringing that back in the orange. There now, the coat. We can do yellow. We can do orange. You know, we can make safety products. You mean, we,
0: yeah, you can put patterns on them and we do, we can yeah, do and, of cool and then, work.
5: and you talk about patterns. We can, we can put one color on, mask it. And then spray another color on, and have a multi-color Multi-level background. Color, it's yeah. just the opportunities to do special things <laughs> without losing one ounce of functionality. Well, is like you what said, it, really it,
0: it increases the the durability and yes. the, the the life of the knife. So, so, yeah.
5: so if we can get sexy without losing any function, <laughs> we're on it. Sexy. Yeah, <laughs> knives are sexy. Yes, sir. Yeah, they are definitely sexy.
0: So, you you took over how long ago?
5: Um, I took over in the late 90s. So late 90s? I was in 1999. Okay. And so my father was still involved in the business, kind of in a semi-retired. So he was spending more time traveling. He was autographing knife blades. He was speaking at... Uh, he was the face uh, of the company. He was the face of the company. Yeah. yeah. So he was, he'd get on the road, he'd get in his car, and he'd leave for six weeks at a time. And he would drive. He hated flying. So he would drive, make these personal appearances. He'd he'd make loops. Um, he would he would States. speak at uh, like Christian men's groups because the mm-hmm. Christian testimony is a big part of our business. Uh, so he would speak at, at at wild game banquets, at church services, at uh, men's meetings. Anywhere they'd have him. Anywhere right? they'd have him. And then he'd he do uh, you know more secular things, grand, store grand openings. Or, right. So he just he had a wonderful time doing that. Now
0: did you get to go on those trips with him occasionally? I went on a
5: couple. Yeah. He was uh, when you when you put you probably him Probably hated it, didn't you? <laughs> when you put him behind the wheel of a car. I mean if if you had to use the bathroom, it was kind of tough luck because uh-huh. he was on a mission to get somewhere. Get there at us. He, he'd drive 15 to 16 hours in a day. Oh my gosh. The guy could cover some miles. But he passed away in 2015 and um, yes. and now my mother uh... lori she's on our board of directors okay so she's kinda of picked up the family uh... Is she going to be in the face of the she going is around doing yeah. the autographs she's is, been she's been having some back surgeries and stuff so she's been out of commission for about a year but yeah mm. we're looking forward she'll be back yeah. on the road she'll be and, back on her feet and representing nice good deal
0: now she probably doesn't drive right she, she's not no, afraid she's she's good to
5: fly Okay. Yeah. <laughs>
0: She's a little more modern than yes, you know, daddy. Yes, sir. So the car that you drove around in with your dad, what was his what was his car of choice?
5: His car of choice was the Lincoln Navigator. Okay. That was his car that of choice. He did. He he'd put oh he would probably put fifty to sixty thousand miles a year on a car. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and then he trade him in and get another get one. Get a new one. Yeah. Get another one. Yeah. It's, it's ready to trade up. And in fact, I think my son, my son inherited one of those. Oh, he did. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. cool.
0: He should get yeah. it haircut Yeah, <laughs> Sarah Cody So uh, I want to ask you, um, since this is your first time on our podcast, we've got a line of questions that we ask our new guys. Yep. And it starts off. Uh, it's, it's typically firearms related, but we'll keep it with knives, and we'll, we can work firearms in. I like your firearms. firearms guy I too. like firearms. Your firearms guy too. What's your earliest memory or recollection uh, of shooting a fire firearm, a gun?
5: Oh, I'm. Well, I'm my, I'm going to start with BB guns. Okay. Yeah, they count. So uh, we were out in the Borrego Desert in Southern California, and my dad pulled out these two Daisy BB Red, guns. Red, Red, Red Rider, Rider BB, Red BB guns. BB guns yeah. and, uh, and so that's my first recollection of shooting. How old were you? I was probably six, seven six years old. Is, were you excited as all I was out? very excited? I had no idea it was coming. And now what were you
0: shooting at? What kind of target? Did you have targets or were you just uh, shooting we, out no, in the we air? No, were,
5: we were hunting. We were hunting grasshoppers. Grasshoppers. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> Shooting between the eyes, yes, sir. Jiminy
5: Cricket. But uh, so you still have those? No, I don't. Oh man, I would would love to have. I wonder where those ended up. Yeah, we've had. My dad had a house fire, and so did I. Oh, and so you just lots of stuff gets lost that you don't even remember. Right. Um, But uh, no, don't have those. So growing up, we were not a hunting family. So you think about us and our industry that we grow up hunting. Really didn't. A uh, hunting season, we weren't allowed to take vacations during hunting season because that was busy knife season. That's the uh, top so, of the sails. So yeah. I did a lot of saltwater fishing in the summer with my grandfather, who was a, the Navy. He was a salt. He loved the ocean. Right. So we did a lot of saltwater fishing in the summer. We did a lot of high mountain, Sierra trout fishing in the summer. And we, we did skiing and dune buggies and motorcycles in the winter. <laughs> out in the desert so that was what we did we didn't we didn't do any hunting so I was probably 24 years old before uh, my father approached me and said we've got some outdoor riders that want to take us on a hunting trip and it's probably time for us to get out and actually experience actually hunt (laughs) what we hear stories about all the time right yeah and so uh, we went out on an, a- an antelope hunt was our first. Wyoming antelope hunt was our first time. Okay. And so I ended up with a, uh, I drove up to Los Angeles, met uh, Ed and Roy Weatherby, mm-hmm. and got a Weatherby 270. That was my first That's rifle. That's a nice first one it to have. It was nice. A uh, Fibermark uh, Weatherby. Which I lost in that house fire I was talking oh, about. Oh, damn! I was going to ask if you still had that. No. Oh. And then, uh, um, and then I picked up a uh, Remington 1100 Special Field, uh, 20 gauge. 20 gauge. And so I had I had my rifle and my shotgun. So 24 years old, uh, other than shooting 22 rifles, right? Um, uh, I ended up with a Marlin Semiotic 22 rifle, my uncle got for me way back when, and so but but those were my first hunting. Uh, experiences, then nice. Did you get an elk on that hunt? Uh, antelope. Yes, sir. Or antelope. I did. Is antelope okay? I, uh, I got, I got an antelope. So I'd never really been hunting before. We put the stock on this antelope. There's about a 300 yard shot. You know, dropped it with one shot.
0: Man, that's a that's a
5: hell of a first hunt right and, there. And and that took about 45 minutes. <laughs> and I thought, you know, this hunting, I got this hunting thing. <laughs> Say nothing. And then my next hunt was a mule deer hunt. So again, about an hour. It had snowed our first night. This was Montana. Mm-hmm. Snowed our first night, so the next day it's all fresh snow. Tracks are easy to. I can track animals in fresh I mean, snow. It's fresh just snow, yeah. you know, I'm pretty proud of that. <laughs> uh, and and, uh, and we we followed a group of tracks with a large group of does. It was in the rut. A big buck came out chasing the does. dropped the butt. I mean, oh. this was again 45 minutes an hour into the first opening day. I got this hunt thing down. This is, this is so is, easy. This is pretty easy. Yeah. <laughs> And then uh, it's been hard ever since. Yeah, ever since <laughs> ever since then it's been hard. it's going yeah. downhill after yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir.
0: What's the what's your
5: favorite hunt you've been on?
0: Most memorable.
5: You know, my most memorable was a. Uh, I've got two of them, but but one of them was uh, with my son. So he was probably eight eight or nine years old. And we went on an elk hunt. So it was just he and I drove up to. It was in. Uh, uh, it was in Utah, mm-hmm. and um, near Park City. And we drove up, took the uh, uh, took the suburban. He and I, just the two of us, a couple nights in hotels on our trip. I mean, it was just a right. great experience. But we went up, and for whatever reason, there were a bunch of sheep uh, sheep herders down below, and so we literally. So they were driving elk to us the whole time oh wow. I mean we just we saw hundreds of elk bugling I mean I, I ended up taking a, a, a reasonable kind of a small five by five but it was mm. just a wonderful just the scenery, you know it's not the in the experience. trophy as much but the experience yeah. was unbelievable and one evening it was in the evening and and you could hear the sheep herder down below with the dogs mm-hmm. and we probably had 60 70 elk Wow. Just walk over the top of yes. us. Man. So we were just sitting still. You're just watching. Just watching, listening. It was too dark to... We it, we were making a video, so it was too dark to video. So the hunting was... Off. We weren't hunting anymore. Yeah. You were just experiencing. And, and to me... so are it in. That's amazing. So that's a one... That's that's probably my favorite you memory. You got because that on was, video? You did some video of that? We did some video of that trip. Yeah, oh, that was cool. through Majestic Outdoors with uh, Mike Bybee. Mike and his brother, Scott. Yeah. But... Um, um, it just the most amazing experience. What knife were you carrying on that that hunt? You remember? Nope. No, no. no <laughs> you know, probably, one? I would probably say I was carrying the uh, the Vanguard, which is one of my favorite. It's a drop point hunting blade. It's the uh, the 192 and the 692. It's the 192s with a wood handle, 690s with a rubber handle, the rubber. and I like the the rubber is more functional, so I like the rubber handle. Doing with that one? Yes, sir. Very cool.
0: So, uh, when it comes to pop culture,
5: whether it's a,
0: a movie, music, magazine, you know, social media, you know, YouTube, whatever. Yep. What is your go-to that is, and I'm going to change it a little bit for you, uh, that's like outdoors
5: related? Boy, I'm not completely sure I understood that question. So, uh,
0: what... What's your favorite movie? Just do it this way.
5: Oh. Boy, that's hard. That's hard on a, on a usually cold turkey. Uh,
0: usually I say, what's your favorite go-to that's gun-related? <laughs> you know. So, you know, some people say, like, Heartbreak Ridge or um, um, uh, what's the wider movie? Tombstone, uh, Tombstone. You know, they'll throw out Tombstone, stuff No, like I like that. both of those. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. or they'll, there's some people that have thrown out uh, bands, you know, groups, you know, things like that. No, I'm, I'm up. Uh,
5: so big, I'm a, I'm a big time country western fan. Okay. So you just, like the old ones? No, I like the you know the, the the newer sounds sound a lot more like the the rock and roll I grew up with. Okay. Uh, so I never really got into the super hard rock. Uh, so the ballad kind of rock, the the eagle, yeah, kind of rock is is uh, uh, that was more my style. And right. so a lot of the modern country western folk. Have captured some of that same energy, okay. and it's it's uplifting. Now, are you I, a musician also? No, sir. I'm, I'm no, honest, I'm hideous.
0: You, you seem to have some ties with the, the music industry, sir.
5: So. We do. No, just it's just a passion. Just a passion. Just love it. And and really, I, I love the uh, I, I love the family value aspect of modern day. Right. You know, other than you get past the trying to get girls drunk in the front of your truck, but, but, you know, there's so much, you know, there's just, uh, there's so much family value and solid Americana. Now, I I can't name artists or anything, but Tia can like rattle them off. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So, no, my my wife is, uh, my wife Heidi is a huge (coughs) country music fan. She does. And so being able to play these, parlay these connections into, getting backstage or getting to meet somebody personally is, is, is quite great, a thrill yeah. quite a thrill make the most of it yes, definitely sir. Uh,
0: what about um, movie wise what What would be your favorite movie what's one that you just sit down and watch over and over and over and over and over again
5: well you know other than I'm going um, to other than being an overgrown teenager and talking about uh, <laughs> Star Wars and Lord of the Rings oh
0: come on please do <laughs> <laughs>
5: But uh, you know, you'd, you'd. Uh, I, I really enjoyed uh, Dances with Wolves. Was one of my favorite, uh, okay. favorite movies. That's the first. I just, Nobody's I really ever said that one. I really, uh, you know, there's Kevin just a Costner. there's just a calm aspect. Yeah, and you there's know, a
0: lot of beautiful, you know, outdoor
5: scenes on yes. that too. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's an uplifting, it's a movie. really
0: scenic movie.
5: It's it's sad too that you you just you saw the end of an era right and you realize you know countries evolve so you know we can't have giant herds of bison crashing through everybody's backyard anymore today (laughs) but so as you as you watch a country evolve and a landscape evolve you realize some things have to change something has to go yeah Uh, but at the same
0: time like you said there are programs in place to where we can cultivate and you know keep that circle going circle of life going i'm
5: very involved with uh on the conservation side so i'm a I'm a board member with the Boone and Crockett Club. Okay. Um, uh, I'm a regular member and a board member. Uh, I'm also a board member with the Mule Deer Foundation. Mm-hmm. So very, there, there, there's. It's so important from a you know from a hunting standpoint that people understand. Just like we were talking with the Ebony Project, mm-hmm. there's a sustainability element that harvest is part of that sustainability right so as you as you manage either forests or wildlife th- there are things that so totally make sense and they so totally work right and yet they're under attack that the the, the very unit, thing yeah. that brought you an enormous success the very thing that brought you to the point where there's so many deer now that you see them dead on the side of the road cuz cars can't dodge them there's yeah. so many they didn't used to be that way I mean, at the turn of the century, animal populations were decimated. Right. And so, this, this whole North American model of conservation with hunting and controlled harvest and. And, and that's tags what a lot of these
0: environment. I don't call them environmentalists, but these, um, you know, these greenie weenies. Yes, they, sir. You know, that condemn hunting and.
5: Well, they miss. They're way more focused on lawsuits than actually helping wildlife. Right, but
0: the, what they don't understand is what the hunting community brings back and that they are actually helping,
5: you know, these environments the and success, these ecosystems. Yes. The successes that they look around and see right now were brought to them by hunters. By hunters, Exactly. Yes, sir. Very much so. And they don't they refuse to recognize that. So that that is a passion of mine. I yeah. I'm really awesome. passionate.
0: Now you about talked about the, the Mule Deer Foundation. Yes, sir. Now, they just had a big event, didn't they? Just no, they've
5: got one coming up. So is it the coming up? Okay. the Western Hunting Conservation Expo is in Salt Lake City. Uh, that will be. It's right around Valentine's Day, so it's like February 14th, 15th, 16th, 17th, something like that. There you
0: go, Leadheads, a perfect, perfect thing to do with your sweetie. Take oh, her to the.
5: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you can let her buy you a Valentine's Day present. Or you can buy her
6: one. as well. Yeah, or you can
5: buy her one there as well. Yeah. yeah. If she's into guns, we got. You can-
0: we got several uh, female leadheads, lady leadheads, is what Very we call good.
5: them. That listen to the show.
0: So, uh, next question, I'll, I'll move on. What is your next bucket list? Got to have, want to have?
5: Whether it's a firearm, piece of kit, knife, uh, maybe a vehicle. What? Yeah. What are you? What are you looking at? No, the next. Uh, the next thing is a. Uh, it's a 308 AR platform. Okay, that, that that'll R10. be that'll be my next hunting rifle.
0: Now, is this one that you want to build yourself, it's, or are you looking for? I'm, I'm
5: building it with a friend. Oh, so you, you he's, got into the it. Yeah, he's he's way more into this than I am when it comes to knowing what's best and what's not. So he's uh, he's running shotgun for me. Nice, nice.
0: So, talk about some of the parts that you're. That you're oh, putting see on now, if now he was, if he in, was here, he could territory.
5: walk you through. <laughs> he could walk you through every one. Uh, all I know is it's going to have an 18-inch barrel. That's, okay, that's all I really know. It's going to be set up for doing some it's, hunting, it's, and it's totally set up for hunting. Okay, totally set up for hunting.
0: Right. Well, I would like yeah. to uh, like to see that when you get it. completed.
5: Uh, very good. I bet you.
0: I bet you do some sort of cerakote on it too. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs>
5: And in exchange for him building me this rifle, I bought a youth hunt for his son. So, oh, there so you his go. So son's, his son's going mule deer hunting in that's uh, Montana. And I'm going to go with him. So it'll, well, be, of course. it'll be It'll be great fun. That'll be later so this year. That'll be later this year. Yes, sir.
0: That'll be cool. So I got a buddy, uh, Nick Atkinson, and he does a lot of hunting down in the Texas area. Yep. So if you guys ever want to go hog hunting, let me know. We can set that up. Ah, oh, now you're talking bobcat. my language. Bobcat, yes, sir. Bobcat hog hunting.
5: I took a a Daniel Defense 300 Whisper out hog hunting from the back of a quad Uh doing a depredation hunt on a ranch, and it was full-on rat patrol. It was amazing. It It took me two days to get the hang of it, but (laughs) once I got the hang of it, hogs were unsafe.
0: Were you using uh, night vision and stressors? No, no.
5: This was just driving around during the day.
0: You hand-hunted till you, you... do it with the thermals man yeah I, it's, it's that
5: that you say what's on the bucket list a hog hunt with the thermals is on the bucket list there you, we can make that happen i'm we i'll can take you up happen. on that one
0: so uh price be damned laws be damned what would you do or what would you own sky's the limit you could own anything you could do anything oh that's just no that's, laws no money no object <laughs>
5: You know, I would uh, be I would probably buy a really nice yacht with with two or three different smaller fishing vessels, mm-hmm. and I would spend my life on the ocean fishing. Nice. That would be it. I love saltwater fishing myself. I, yeah, stand-up tuna is my now, do ultimate you favorite. Now, scuba dive also? I do. I, I see you as a scuba diver. Yeah, too. it was it was a lot of fun. I I, I used to abalone diving. dive till till that just got a little few and far between. Right, but I, so abalone and lobster diving are some of my favorite okay. things. Very cool.
0: I think I'd be on that boat with you. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> That's, that sounds like me. That's perfect. Uh, last question: If you could spend the day at the range with anyone, whether they're uh, real person still alive, maybe they mm-hmm. passed. Or fictional character or group of people, <laughs>
5: who would you like to spend the day at the range with? Chuck Mahaney. Uh He was a Vietnam sniper. Okay. And uh, uh, got into knives a little bit. Got to know him and his wife a little bit. And and learning to shoot, learning to shoot by one of these individuals would be that would be, uh, yeah. Uh,
0: we've had we've had a couple of people mention you know some some Vietnam. Slapper yeah. type guys. What? Say his name again. Chuck Mahini Chuck Mahaney. That yeah. sounds familiar. I think I've, I've heard yeah.
5: that name before. Yeah. he I think they wrote a book about him. And, uh, but just a super nice guy. But just the uh, I'm, I tend to not be patient enough. Uh-huh. So these guys that can just sit there for hours—that's a whole different mindset. It's a whole different discipline. Oh, it is. Uh, just yeah. respect the heck out of it. That, that, that to me, that's the most impressive.
0: So we're going to have and he's supposed to make an appearance uh, Charlie Melton.
5: Yes sir. You met Charlie? Him? He yeah. came he came in through our facility. Okay. Super nice. Yeah, and, you know, these he's guys a great they're dude. they're just they're so humble, they're so friendly. They're such a pleasure. The things that they've done, yeah, you'd never You'd never know. You'd never know it. You'd never know. They just look like a redneck, <laughs> but <laughs> you know just what? The I mean? nicest, but just you know, the most nicest, most welcoming friendliest people. Dude, yeah. Yep.
0: So yeah, Charlie's going to be on, so definitely want to co-host yeah. for that one as well.
5: You're going to have Commander Tom Coulter on. We're going to have I know, huge uh, with the seals, right?
0: We've got, uh, like you said, uh, the musician.
5: Yeah, we'll have Bob Taylor Bob coming, in. coming in. Bob Taylor's coming in. Chrissy. Uh, Chrissy Titus. Chrissy who's
0: Titus is just coming a,
5: in. Just a, a gorgeous little hunter. She's yep. she's just amazing in uh, and and re- and really passionate about the conservation side too, which is really important. Yeah. So
0: we got a we've got a good mix for you guys coming up. Was there anything else that you wanted to leave with the leadheads on our our inaugural uh, interview here before we kick no, things
5: off? Just welcome. It's it's uh, it's a passionate show. People really care about the industry. They care about Second Amendment, about shooting, uh, self defense. They. they hunting conservation there's just a lot of passion lot this of is passion way more than just free. business yeah and uh, so that's why i think it's fun it's fun hanging with people who are passionate
0: absolutely and we appreciate you allowing us to set up the lead quarters here in your awesome booth and uh, you guys stay tuned we're going to have more interviews coming from the official lead quarters of the 2019 shot show here at buck nine awesome thank you all right buddy thank you so that touched on uh, a little bit of the history a little bit more about CJ, the man behind the company. Bill, were there any qu- additional questions that you wanted to to ask CJ?
1: Thanks for putting me on the spot. Yeah, absolutely. Um, no. <laughs>
0: that's what I do here.
1: <laughs> well done. I uh, know, but I will backtrack what we were just talking about. Yeah, my first knife was a buck given to me by my dad. Uh, I think, it, what was it, Crystal? 103, the little one?
3: Yeah, man, a little Skinner. Yeah. A
2: little yeah. uh,
1: fixed-bladed Skinner. It is, yep, and that's in my gun vault here, so... But no, I've got nothing else right now. It since you just threw me under the bus, so.
0: Well, I, I didn't know if maybe there was like a lingering thing that you wanted to to ask him. You were there yeah, all he week.
2: Hearing from shot.
0: Hopefully. What, what did you say? <laughs> say Never that again. By, we
2: don't want to hear about that one. No,
0: I, I want to hear that.
5: it. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Unless you're oh, on the show. Lingering.
0: So um, what we didn't get an opportunity to do because we were so busy and you guys were great in Chris and CJ setting up some of these awesome interviews that we're going to be doing, Uh, we've got one from Mr. Taylor, Bob Taylor, with Taylor Guitars. Awesome interview with him and a collab that Buck Knives is doing with Mr. Taylor, with Ebony. Right. And we talked a little bit about that in the interview that they just heard. A great program uh, that that you guys are involved with with them. And I mean, it's awesome that you're bringing back the ebony handle to your knives as well. Yeah.
5: It it is a bit of a throwback. It's, it's, it's something that's utterly sustainable. And, uh, I I was just fascinated where, uh, where Bob has reintroduced some very core
0: forestry management principles to this little village in Cameroon, Africa. Yeah. Uh,
5: uh, where they can man- they can manage their own forest replant trees you know it's it's long-term stuff because these trees take a couple hundred years to get to the point where they're harvestable right uh, but you better start now and uh, you think about where we'd be if proper forest management had, had taken place in the rainforests and, and all through Africa is Indonesia if they had been planting trees for the last hundred 150 years right uh, We'd be completely in a sustainable place right now, and that ties in a quick segue, but that ties mm-hmm. so much into hunting and wildlife management. Like it just the two things tie so close together.
0: Well, it's an ecosystem, you know the trees are part of that ecosystem that these animals you know thrive in so you know, that's yeah that's something that needs to be done and it was it was great to hear that he's doing it not only there, but he's also doing it in some other areas uh of the world he's doing uh, in Hawaii and there was a, uh, another place too that he said that he's starting that program but that's that's where we're going to get into that interview probably next episode with uh with Bob uh but I wanted to touch on that and um uh, let everybody know that that's that's coming from you guys a great project and then uh we you know we touched on the Cerakoting. Uh you guys have started a a line of Cerakoted knives and we talked about all the benefits of uh, that goes behind that so um Bill yes sir you were my man on the street in addition to my men on the street. We had a lot of leadheads that showed up, uh, unexpected, and we got a lot of uh, a good men on the street reports, but we didn't get any from you while we were there. So oh. let's let's hear your take on the 2019 SHOT Show. Uh,
1: 2019 SHOT was, was great uh, from the standpoint that it was a lot less crowded. So cheers to whoever decided to limit the attendance down to those that are supposed to be there. Uh, but that was also with all the feds who were furloughed; they couldn't make it. So walking around shot was great. It was much easier to get around. Do so you think it was?
0: A, you um, think it was a better show without the federal people there? Is that what you're saying?
1: No, no, not at all. No, nope. <laughs> okay. Just <I can't laughs> my brothers, um, and sisters. So, but no, just the the sheer, sh- not as many people being there. That was just fantastic. Maneuvering around and getting to places. Yeah, so I
0: didn't get. I didn't get that sense that there weren't as many people there. Uh, I mean, it, it's, you didn't
1: walk around too much, did you? Well, I never
0: do, but it was just as right. far as seeing the, the traffic at Buck Knives and uh, just, you know, in the mornings getting there and then evenings leaving, you know, you've always got that, that backup of everybody swarming to get out. And then the, the backup of, you know, taxis and lifts and, you know, all that. It,
1: oh, yeah. Yeah, it was much easier. I mean, and, and did they give a final count? Do you know? No, but it's probably going to be the most heavily attended show ever again.
0: <laughs> Even though it's yeah. yeah. here, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: they're going to include everybody that was supposed to be there but couldn't be there. Yeah, so,
4: uh,
1: but no, I thought Shot Twenty Nineteen was great. made a lot of great contacts. Uh, thank you, Chris, for introducing me to a few of those. Going um, to have some really good stuff for FLEOA members to work with uh, coming down the pipe here. So thank I've got you. no
0: complaints. It's a great show. Okay, well, we're gonna we're gonna have Bill on uh, periodically with us as well as we release these episodes because. He did get to go around and, and talk to a lot more people than, than I was able to. I mean, we got something like 30 interviews uh, during the the four days of SHOT Show. So we got a lot of good coverage. And I had to turn away, unfortunately, I had to turn away a lot of people for the interviews. There just there just wasn't time. Uh, so those are ones that we're going to follow up as we go through these next few months releasing uh, these interviews. But, guys, I, I hear something, and it's not Bill's whistling booger in his nose. It's it's the jack wagon train.
4: Hoorah, <laughs> uh, writes simplified do or die. Hold them high at 8th and It is time for the talking lead jack wagon of the week, so brace yourself, baby.
0: Oh, uh, that tickled me. Uh, You're simple. I appreciate I am, I am very simple. <laughs> so the the train has stationed... And, uh, we're not going to spend a lot of time on the jack wagon training this week, but we do have some lead head submitted jack wagons that I want to touch on. And, uh, we're just going to kind of go through these. I'm not going to go into great detail, but I want to let you guys know that they're out there and they exist and user beware. So our first one comes from, looks like our good buddy, Jacob Roseski, which Jacob was at SHOT Show Jacob and Mike, they're brothers. And our good buddy, uh, Nick Dooley, that was our gang of men on the street, and they brought us a lot of good information uh, from the floors. You're going to hear from them in a couple of episodes uh, to come. But Jacob wants to throw the state of Wisconsin for even mentioning they are thinking about legalizing a red flag ban. So for those of you who don't know what the red flag law is, I'm going to read that to you. And that's all the time I'm going to spend on this because we got another episode with Mike Sodini, Walk the Talk America, where we're going to talk about a little bit about the red, red flag laws. So it says, A red flag law is a gun violence prevention law that permits police or family members to petition a state court to order the temporary removal of firearms from a person who may present a danger to others or themselves. A judge makes the determination to issue the order based on statements and actions made by the gun owner in question. After a set time, the guns are returned to the person from whom they were seized, unless another court hearing extends the period of confiscation. And it says such orders are known as extreme risk protection orders in Oregon, Washington, and Maryland, and Vermont, as risk protection orders in Florida, as gun violence restraining orders in California, as risk warrants in Connecticut, and as proceedings to for the seizure and retention of a firearm in Indiana. So I think there's something like 13 states that have this law. Uh, in effect, and you guys should definitely educate yourselves uh, for those states that this is is relevant because it is becoming more and more prevalent. But because um, it doesn't exist here in Tennessee, so I was just recently introduced to it by, like I said, Mike Sodini when we were having a discussion on the Walk Talk America. Go check that out. Familiarize yourselves with that because we're going to have a big discussion on it on an ep- upcoming episode. So we got another one here. This is from Jason Edgar. And Jason would like to nominate Republican, I think it's I, Ihan Omar. She's a Muslim congresswoman that has shown that she stands for anything other than America. Okay. Recently, she is under fire for her comments and actions for lighter sentences for ISIS recruits. So he provides a link here. And basically what it's saying, I'm going to sum this up real quick. Uh, Democrat, Muslim, and this is Minnesota rep. She's out of Minnesota. Uh, she has suggested lenient sentences for ISIS sympathizers. Uh, and I don't know the whole story on this, but again, this is one that you guys can go, you can Google it, you can look it up. She has alleged to try and, I think there's a couple of local ISIS members there that she's been trying to get get their sentences either reduced or um, get them out of jail completely. You guys aren't familiar with this story, are you? Anybody? Uh,
1: I believe it was two Minnesota guys that had pledged allegiance to ISIS and were going were trying to get over there and uh-huh. train and fight with them. Okay. But were caught before they could do so and are now facing US terrorist charges.
0: Okay. So. And is it there, isn't there that called something else too? Isn't that called treason? Um, yeah. I think <laughs> so. Yeah,
5: that, was, that was the word coming to mind. <laughs> yep. Treason?
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um and as far as I know, that's got a stiffer penalty than like 50 years in jail. I think it's like back in the days, treason got you killed, right? Yes, it did.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Get you a big old bullet in the noggin. So, um, there you go. I mean, that's what you get for electing, I guess, a Muslim representative. You're going to get their demographic represented. I'll have to read more on that one too. So I'm not going to comment much on that. A lot of these stories can be taken out of context too. Um, so if I find something to the contrary, I will let you lead heads know, definitely. So now here's, here's the funny one that we've got. And this comes to – Bill, you want to take this one? Did you read the road rage incident?
1: No, but I saw it on the news. This is great. Two okay. guys – What this was out in Massachusetts. They get into a fender bender. Yeah. 65-year-old dude gets out to confront the younger guy. Younger guy wants nothing to do with it or to even deal with the accident and police and insurance and whatever. Tries to take off. 65 year old dude hops on the hood, guys screaming down the highway 70 miles an hour with this dude hanging on the hood. And my favorite is uh, somebody was filming this, uh, you know, as they're driving down the road, they're like, What
0: the hell? And you can see the cell phones
1: are great this dude's face as he's screaming by, hanging on the hood. <laughs> he's, he's, that was priceless.
0: I mean, it's not funny, but the look on the guy's face, I mean, it's pure terror. It's yeah. like, he's, he's like, yeah. you can see the regret and it's, right. he's like, why did I do this? <laughs> Bad choice.
5: <laughs> trying to imagine <laughs> what was going through right. the driver's head. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I can imagine what's going through the guy <laughs> hanging on the hood's head. Right. But what could possibly, if not nothing, could be going through the driver's head?
0: That, uh, I guess remains to be seen, but, uh, I mean, why leave the scene of an accident unless you've got something to hide? So. I would say that the guy had either something nefarious in his car or nefarious in his background that, uh, that coaxed him to run. <laughs>
5: but, when you get the chance to upgrade hit-and-run to murder, you should always take that. Right. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> hit-and-run to attempted murder. Uh, but luckily the guy, he, he wasn't hurt. He was unharmed. He's, he was actually doing an interview afterwards. Uh, there's a great video if you guys just uh, Google that. Uh, I'm looking at a link from ABC News right now. His his
2: shorts may have been harmed.
0: (laughs) 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 He had a little permanent stain uh, (laughs) hit the windshield next to him. But I mean, that's in today, that's our society today is, you know, cell phones are everywhere and you're being videoed everywhere, whether you know it or not, you know, whether you want to be or not, there's a phone somewhere recording it. Mm -hmm. So that's something to always keep in mind. Very true. We
2: realized that during shot a few times. Yeah,
0: that is true. I noticed a couple of pictures I was tagged in that I had no idea that I was Same. Having, having my picture taken. <laughs> so anyway, that that's it. That's it for the jack wagon train. We're going to move on because we got lots of uh, other things to talk about. Um, Al Mamprey, you know, we we're talking about some great interviews that we had this week. World War II veteran, last surviving member of Easy Company Band of Brothers. Very fortunate to have that interview, and that's all thanks to Bill for getting that set up uh bill talk a little bit about how that came to be how we got that set up
1: a a year ago beginning of january and uh what was that 18 yeah i happened to be out in uh new york for the medicine and bad places tac med expo their first one ever and al was a guest out there through tony emanuele who's a owner of medicine and bad places and i got to hang out with al and tony and sean uh the first night there because al was a medic and uh great friendship with tony al's just a super good guy and uh just happened to be talking to tony one day and he said he was coming out to a shot show and with al and i went oh you got to go to talking lad do an interview and uh texted you texted chris and yeah you texted
0: me and i texted you right back and was like uh yeah yeah. i want him on the show yeah
1: Yeah, you didn't hesitate at all man Uh -uh. (laughs) you were boom on that and nor did chris he was all over that as well so Really glad we were able to work that out and have Al there. It's just a super guy.
0: Super. Yeah. Super guy. Super stories. I know he had a lot more that uh, he wanted to tell us. He was just pressed for time. I mean, we could still be talking with Al right now. I'm sure just a, oh, easily. a, a great character, great sense of humor, uh, very humble, uh, too, with all the things that he's, you know, during, during the World War two that he went through. Uh, but CJ and I got the opportunity to sit down and inter- interview Al. So what what did you uh, what were your f- initial impressions, CJ?
5: You know, funny my 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 initial impression was just how much Al reminded me of my grandfather. Right. Uh, who was also named Al.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs>
5: <laughs> and uh, uh, but just that something about this. So my granddad would have been probably ten years older. So he. He was in and out of the service prior to World War II, hmm. but uh, he was a Navy big-time Navy guy. But uh, uh, but just that whole self-deprecating, fully humble, utterly resilient. I mean, they they weren't really aggressive; they were just indomitable. They nothing stopped them. They just kept moving. And and to hear Al tell those stories, yeah. uh, you know, when you think about the starting of a company. I I don't want to equate that to war, but it's a, it's tough crawling for a while. And, and, and my grandfather went through all of that and you talk about that generation, they got heat treated through the depression and then world war two, uh, really crystallized in, in those people, a toughness and a resilience, uh, that, uh, that just impresses the heck out of us now.
0: Yeah, it absolutely does. And Al, at 96 years old, is still just as, as sharp as a buck knife.
3: Yes, he is. <laughs> yes, sir. Mm-hmm.
0: So let's, let's cut into that interview with Al um, right now, and then we'll come back, and we're going to talk some buck knives with CJ and Brooksy.
4: Can't escape now, can I? No.
0: You're surrounded now. We got you boxed in. Sorry.
4: <laughs> a while ago, I thought I saw a gun here even.
0: There was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah an mp5 clone oh my god <laughs> yeah th-
5: this is a well-armed show
4: I can it all touché
0: <laughs>
4: <laughs> touché from a sharp guy <laughs> right you've made this enjoyable already
0: <laughs> <laughs> let's get it started alright guys we are back at the 2019 SHOT Show at the official headquarters of Buck Knives And we have a very super special guest joining CJ and I now. It is Al Manfrey, and Al is a World War II veteran, but more than that, he is of Easy Company, the 101st Airborne Easy Company Band of Brothers.
4: Welcome in, Al. Thank you. It's a pleasure being here.
0: Uh, It's a pleasure to have you. We've we've been looking forward to this, so thanks for joining us. How did you... uh, first get involved with coming to the shot shows you've been coming for a while right
4: well i've been to about four of them, I think. okay now. and there's two friends of mine and uh it's been quite an experience i've met so many wonderful wonderful people both in service out of service even with the 101st i've met families whose parents or grandparents or children are in the 101st and it's been a it's been it's just a Invigorating experience.
0: And you travel all over the country.
4: Yes, I do. And I've been to Europe. I was in uh, Holland uh, just recent, not too long. Well, September. Right. And, uh, I've been to Washington D.C. met the Vice President met uh, General Milley, who's a four star. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And I've met a lot of hundred and first. Most of the people at the top are hundred and first people. Hundred
0: and fur, right? Yeah. Top notch, right?
4: Absolutely. Of course.
0: That's where the best people I've just come been from. blessed
4: to be with that organization and still here. Sure. <laughs>
0: <laughs> still going great, too. I understand you were out at uh, Nullis earlier this week. I was the, where? At the uh, at the air base, doing some cool things out yeah. there.
4: Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, I, 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 I attend so many meetings, and so many people come from all over the country. And after this, I'll be getting requests for signatures from all over the place. I know. Is this going to be publicized everywhere?
0: Yes, sir. This is this is going worldwide.
4: I know I can anticipate all kinds of requests.
0: Right. We're over over 100 countries, and you're going to be in every one of them. Oh. <laughs>
4: well, I'll get them.
0: So we got uh, Tia over here. She's got you on social media live, so all the leadheads are watching you right now. So say hey to the Leadhead Nation.
4: Hello, how are you?
0: Hello, how Hope are you? Hope all is well with you. Uh, so, so we have Al Mamprey here with us, World War II veteran. And uh, Al, have, I mean, you've led a very interesting life, you know. obviously. I'm sure you got some great stories to tell. Um,
4: most of them are true.
0: Most of them are true. <laughs> uh, and the ones that aren't? We'll just assume they are.
4: I can't remember them.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, what led you to to join the service to begin with?
4: Well, I was a uh, ministerial student to, be, to begin with, and um, I, uh, but I wanted to be in the service. I could have been deferred. And I was at, at that time in school in uh, Abilene, Texas, at the Hardin Simmons, and um, at a I was an Episcopalian still. Am. And I went to a Methodist school in Ohio, then I went to a Southern Baptist school in Texas, and then uh-huh. a Church of Christ school in California at Pepperdine, where I got my degree, UCLA and then University of Chicago. But between, in the summer, uh, between semesters at Abilene, I decided I want to be in a service and I want to be a parent. I want to do something interesting. Us little guys always like to take out a dare, you know. Right?
0: That. Yeah, we got to show, show our size, right? Yeah.
4: Well, not you, you're me. <laughs> most people Compared I know. Compared these guys,
0: I'm a little dude. <laughs> well, I'm, my
4: daughter calls me Hobbit. Hobbit? <laughs> Can you imagine? Anyway, um, most people I know by their belt buckles. <laughs> Especially in Holland. They are tall. They're tall in yeah. Holland. Though. But I want to be a paratrooper. Because I want to do something interesting. Right. And I want to do something. Uh, and I, uh, they honored my and Sent me to call Georgia. I went in it mineral wells, and then they sent me to Georgia, to Goa, Georgia, where they had just formed the 506 Parachute Infantry, and then I became, a. I was assigned to a company under Captain Sobo, and uh, I was infantry, okay. and on the range, they might as well have taken down the, uh, the target because all I, I couldn't hit anything. I would have <laughs> killed more of my own people, I think, if I was, if I stayed, I, um, uh, infantry person. All right.
0: So, marksman, yeah. wasn't your oh, forte. Huh? There was
4: a guy behind next to me. Who, I bet him a candy bar. He couldn't hit the target. Eight candy bars later, I thought, sure he's bound to miss. <laughs> <laughs> he only got eight because that's all I had. That's how he... <laughs> he turned out to be the best shot. He had one line McClung. This was uh, shifty power. Shifty, okay. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I guess he, his mother must have had trouble giving birth. I think he was born with that rifle in his hand. <laughs> uh, but, um, and then later on, they start forming the uh, medical, say, the colonel called me in there and asked me if I wanted to be a, a medic. I go, oh, yeah, I'd love to be a medic. Mm-hmm. And from then on, I was a medic.
0: You're a medic. Wow. Yeah. Just like that. We
4: participate in everything the uh, troops did, too. You know?
0: Sure. Yeah, you had, you had to uh, perform and pass all the same tests. Right? Yeah,
4: and range and all that. sort. I run the mountain three miles up, three miles down. Yeah. We were better than the uh, line-out that's running it in time. And then the obstacle course, we were faster on the obstacle course. We were actually best, better on the range, except for me, <laughs> uh, than they they were. But uh, it was a job I loved.
0: Now the the paratrooper uh, division that they started was that wasn't that new.
4: Well, the eighty second was already in business. The
0: eighty second they've been
4: in Africa and in Sicily and all that. Yeah. Yeah, the eighty second. They're still jumping too, by the way. They don't have they haven't wised up yet. Yeah, I'd
0: heard that 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 they offered. Uh, a lot of guys joined the paratroopers because there was a little extra pay incentive. Yeah, there was double
4: pay. fifty dollars more. Right. Yeah.
0: So that was a pretty good incentive.
4: You know what happened to me? <laughs> I've got news for you folks. For to achieve your longevity, they paid off my life insurance. To me, I still I, I pinched myself to see if I'm a dead or alive. I'm getting my life insurance.
3: <laughs> You're getting your life. Insurance.
0: <laughs> I called like, them up and, and take they it, huh? they
4: said no, you outlived it, and they even term insurance. Because wow. I had kept my life insurance with the VA.
0: Well, there are benefits then, right? Yeah,
4: I got a new car. <laughs> What'd you get? I got an Avalon.
0: An Avalon? Oh, uh, you're going in style.
4: It doesn't do dishes or windows, though. No. <laughs> no. But it looks good, right? Oh, boy. This thing.
5: <laughs> you, well, got, you know, j- me just sitting here listening, I I so enjoy your sense of humor. I, well, there just There must be something for surviving all you did that just drove this this ability to laugh
4: well you know um i have a sort of a perverse sense of humor but you know there are three three things that uh, i contribute to my longevity people always ask me what did you do well first of all i don't do anything right if you don't <laughs> believe it ask my daughter but anyway um one is meeting a lot of nice people a lot of nice people and you don't even have to be that nice all you have to do is mirror them and you're better and the second one is a sense of humor. And uh, I, I just enjoy people so much that things just come out. I don't. <laughs> my, my wife thought I had a whole sensor Oh boy, if she saw what Simpson, she would be. She would be a gas. I tell you. But um, uh, so I enjoy life, and uh, I think that's contributed. Oh, th- oh, the third thing is don't die. <laughs> don't
5: die. And you yeah, can wait. I'm going to write that your one yourself. down. Can I? am going to write that. Yeah, one that's down.
4: an important one. But I don't pay attention to that yet people tell me at the next event I'll see you a year from now I said well, how about next week <laughs> they're not as realistic as <laughs> I am you know. I come here to the road show I mean to the um, shot show and the clocks people have a set of parties afterwards usually yep. and we go and these young ladies come and they give me a kiss on their cheek and the young bucks, they line up behind me. They think they're necked. No way are they neck And the girls turn around and walk
3: away. And they say,
4: what have you got that we don't have? I said, 75 years. Now, you've got a
0: lot of stories to, to tell as well. Now I understand you got something to do. There's a story revolved around a cat.
4: Oh, cat, yeah. Oh, well, no, there might be cat lovers here.
0: Yeah? No.
4: But uh, yeah, I had a, one of the guys brought a little kitty home, a calico cat, in his pocket from one of the girls' camps, and uh, <clears throat> it had a real bushy tail. And I went and got some peroxide and ammonia and put it, set it on a beer mug. She's gonna kill me. <laughs> and uh, um, in the solution, you know, and, yeah. it, and dyed it. And it was sitting outside, this in England, sitting outside in the sun drying off, just sitting there, warming up, you know. and. Uh, it started to dry and get real fluffy. And I t- just turned around and see this red, flame red thing hanging on the end of it. And it took off. It tried to shake it and it couldn't do it. And it carried it straight up. That was the farthest from itself it could get. You know. Well, I test dropped it uh, with a rock and a homemade parachute off the church steeple. And that then slowed out. And, so the, and the kids were at the windows of their school. And the teachers having to fit with them, trying to get them back. Anyway, uh, I made a larger chute, and didn't get a chance to test drop it, but put it on the cat, and we were going to jump for the Eisenhower Churchill demonstration jump, Uh and um, uh, I took it up there, had it in my musette bag, and when my chute opened, it was a low jump, I took the chute out, and the the chute floated away. And I jammed the cat back in in the bag, and hit the ground, and it came out. Um, and uh, but he didn't run away but he, was, he didn't run away he was more like <laughs> us after that
0: <laughs> he wanted to do it
4: again huh? but there was another cat involved not that I mentioned don't you mentioned and that was a wild cat the colonel lieutenant colonel the, of the uh, battalion wanted a pet and we'd seen we were in Kentucky or, I don't know it was Kentucky or uh, Tennessee but where there was a, these little road huts side zoos where they have an animal in there you know could be a raccoon, but there was a A wildcat in one of them so we got that wildcat and took it we had a makeshift operating arena for it and we uh, chicken wire cage all chicken wire on a door and everything and we had that one guy could handle it for some reason I don't know why but we were all in there putting ether on the the doctor was putting ether on it to put it out because we're gonna put boots on it (laughs) he's gonna be a paratrooper he has to wear boots you gotta wear boots man of course and the, the colonel was in there, and a major, and uh, uh, the doctor was a major, too, and a guy that could handle him and me. And uh, I was on the other side of the table, and suddenly it came to that uh, Ether hadn't had its effect, so uh, we came howling and yelling. They all went out in, in rank order, shoot lieutenant, lieutenant colonel, major, and then I was about to go out. Came around, they slammed the door, and they wouldn't open the door. I said, and I swear there were twelve cats in there. There was cat everywhere, <laughs> claws and all. Yeah, but he didn't get me. But uh, I said I can't get out. They said we don't want the cat to get out. I said the cat, and, and finally it settled down, just got tired, and and the guy came in and we put we eventually put boots on him. Now somebody jumped that cat, but I don't know who and I don't know what happened. <laughs> and I've jumped with pigeons. Some guy had too many. They were experimenting with carrier pigeons. And he had eight of them. And he had, they, they were in large oatmeal box looking tubes. And I took four of them. And his four got killed in the opening shot. Wow. Two of mine died in the opening shot. I had two <laughs> left out of eight. I don't know whether ever use them again later or not. <laughs> so I understand I, you've got
0: a, an interesting story uh, about Al Brewer.
4: Oh, Bob Brewer, yeah. Bob Brewer's. Uh, Bob Brewer, I'm sorry. Yeah, he was a lieutenant, uh, platoon. Uh, system platoon leader and we were in uh, Market Garden and um, he was attacking across a big field, empty field, and there were four houses on the other side of four separate houses and um, uh, Captain uh, uh, Winters told him not to wave his map case around like he's a leader he was hollering come on boys he looked like a uh, Ted dancer, tall tall Skinny Tall, guy. good looking, yeah. Yeah, skinny guy, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Depends on whether you're a boy or a girl. A boy or a <laughs> girl.
0: I just know that he's considered to be, you know, a handsome guy. I don't know.
4: Anyway, and uh, of course, he, <laughs> anyway. he said he'd be target, and sure enough, he was target for today. E Company was, They oh, they called for E Company. I was with the battalion at that time as a battalion. I was a non-com charge of battalion medical. So I was always with the doctor and the staff. And uh, they're hollering for a the medic up, an e-company. I said, I got four medics in there. What are they, why are they calling? I'll see you later. I'm going up. So I went up there. We were in a thin woods and there was a big field across there. And uh, uh, it. I said, what's the problem? They pointed out of the ditch and uh, it was a... Um, I said, who's that out there? It's Lieutenant Brewer. Okay. So I, I went out there and I could hear somebody hollering on the right. You're crazy, Map Bray. In other words, there there was a sniper's up there firing I was there. Anyway, um, I, that's my mission, you know. To just doing people. your job, right? Yeah. yeah, that's what everybody everybody whatever did anything in our office, the mission was the thing was a key. Right. And uh, that's why I don't think there are any real heroes. It's mission oriented. And um uh, I got up to Brewer, it was quiet, and I sat down next to him and I told him who I was and that I would be with him and he was shot through the neck. They thought he'd been killed. Oh. And, um, I, uh, I finally set up a, a plasma set up. He was yellow like gaunders, jaunders, you know. Right. and the collapsing veins, and I finally found him. And then the medic that was supposed to be there came out to help me, and then the German opened up and clipped him on the heel, and he took off, went right back to the unit in the woods, and I, and I and the bullets started kicking up. Oh, first there was a big crack like something and I said, oh, they hit the bottle, you know. Nope, it was still intact. I never thought they are shooting me, you know. Yeah. I never thought in the whole war that I'd ever get killed and I proved to be right.
0: <laughs> you proved it right. right? <laughs>
4: yeah. <laughs> and, uh, anyway, um, so I lie down and the bullets kicking up all around me and I told the brewer in my best, uh, best, uh, bedside manner, I said, uh, Lieutenant, uh are you, are you dead because if you're dead i'm leaving <laughs> <laughs> he, he answered me he said uh he croaked out no but i don't know why i said okay i'll stay with you then the dutch came out they those Dutch or something they came running out to help us under fire and they one of them grabbed lures uh uh lieutenant's uh, carbine and fired at the house and then uh he ran out of bullets so he just threw it down and then they another two came out with a ladder they were, they were entrepreneur helpers, I tell you. They, <laughs> so whatever They works, put, right? they put uh, Brewer on the ladder and they took him towards the one of the second house on the left corner. Uh, I said, oh no, my patients are going the wrong direction. You know, because the Germans over there and we're Americans are back here. So, and then three other guys the came to aren't they real helped. good
0: with directions, huh?
4: <laughs> they knew their directions. They, um, three more got hurt, hit in his chest and everything. Pretty soon. we had about a total of six of us. And, wow. Uh, and then I got hit like a real kicked me on the leg and laid it right open, right down the bone. So you was took no one in the leg? Heart, yeah, no blood to speak of. And I could see it, you know. And But I couldn't get to it in Dutch helped patch it up. And I gave myself a shot of morphine. And they took the other guys over to that same house. Right. Well, I couldn't run or walk or much. Or, so uh, this leg would just stay where it was. So, but it was on the ground and there was a, there was a wagon rut that went right to the house, uh-huh. right to that house. And I was able to get there on that with this bad leg on top and the other one in the rut. I going got through the, the rut. Yeah, huh? yeah, and there was wow. a woman at the end house, collar and tote, which means dead, except somebody was killed. And I didn't find out till last September who it was. And it bothered me. It was an, her grandfather. And he'd oh, been wow. shot by one American. I was wondering who, who shot him, the German or us? the Dutch when they fired at the house or what happened to turned out an America and they tell me he was crying and everything he thought it was another German yeah but anyway I found that out and then um,
0: and you just found that out this recently
4: this is last September hmm. Oh wow! yeah they had done some research some young guy did some Dutch guy yeah. and um, I was uh, they we got in his house and uh, there was a little Dutch house and everything was immaculate like you would expect a Dutch house to be and <laughs> yeah. the guys were lying around and uh, morphine began to have an effect on me. I made a sh- sh- circle with my arms and uh, a-, a signal with my hand that something's coming up you know right. and she caught on right away and went and got a bowl because the, <laughs> the morphine was working on me you know? Yeah. and I didn't want to mess up a nice clean floor it was immaculate. You I know. mean, all this, and you're you concerned yeah. about keeping well, your house tidy. How, that's how things are. It's the immediate situation. That's the point I'm trying to make. Yes. Because when I first came in to Holland, I mean, into the town, I'd been a guy came through my shoe too, by the way, and landed on top of me. He wanted to know where the enemy was. I said, "You're standing on him." <laughs> Man, he did a number that lasted the rest of life on me. Was this your but drop any- into Holland
0: when that happened? What's that? You're dropping to Holland when yeah,
4: that happened. Yeah, that was a uh, combat jump. Of all, I always lit standing up, but this one time when I should be standing up, I got standing up. Anyway, we get into town, they had the pottery out and their orange flag. They thought they were liberated. No way are they liberated. But um, then the machine gun opened up down the street. The Dutch were gone like a flash. I step back in the doorway, and this is where hell starts. With a hand, a spoonful of cherries. She's feeding me cherries and uh, and, a bullet, and a machine gun firing right past my nose. Right past my tree, as you're street, eating cherries. And I'm getting cherries. Uh, I, I, oh I never gosh. saw because as soon as the firing stopped, I took off. And uh, I'll recognize that arm, but <laughs> I, and I know wow. it was a woman's arm. I was pretty good at that sort of thing. <laughs> so, um, but I'll never, uh, I, I always regret that I never got a chance to thank her. you. Yeah. Now these are, these are the little tiny vignettes that, that make a mark. Right. Well, getting back to the other one, mm-hmm. uh, that's how your memory works. It jumps. And, uh, no,
0: we're, uh, we're on every word, Al. You, you keep going, mm-hmm. buddy. Mm-hmm.
4: Poor souls. This is great. And anyway, the, um, they were ready to go. And they found a cart, a rickety cart. And they put four guys on the Dutch ship. And they went to the bath and the street, the street that was going to yeah, was right. to, um, to uh, Einhoven and back to Zahn. And a Dutch doctor showed up from somewhere. They pop out of Idaho, I don't know where <laughs> they come from. And uh, he was for going to Eindhoven. I didn't want to go to Eindhoven because I knew we hadn't taken Eindhoven yet, because that was where the British were going to come through as we they went up the path, you know. And uh, I wanted to go to Zahn, because I knew we had people there, that's where we came in. And, uh, what, saw us, and uh, what happened was uh, a platoon of Germans were in a, that big field behind the houses. And they were coming along, they saw us, and they started firing at us. Well, the Dutch took off in this cart and went to running towards Zahn. That solved the problem there. And I, <laughs> I dove into a, a round German type, a drone German type, uh foxhole, because I couldn't hole. run. Yeah. And uh, at first, and two Germans. Yeah, you ducks- got a
0: bullet in your leg at this, this point. Yeah, right? well,
4: not my leg. went right on through. Oh, it went through? Yeah, it. somebody okay. else got that. souvenir. there. <laughs> and the. Um, uh, 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 the two Dutch guys pulled me out, and they, they, now, that come, now they created a, a wheelbarrow, where they got that wheelbarrow, but they threw me on the wheelbarrow, and we're one on each handle and running down the road, and they're firing at us, finally they gave up, figured we weren't worth the trouble, but we got back to Zahn, okay?
0: <laughs> That's a great story. That when we were back story. in
4: Zahn, uh, the, they, we finally opened that road up, and uh, uh, the British were there with their tanks, bumper to bumper at 4.30. And they were making tea, they had these caddies that heat the water on the back of their tanks. And I said, what are you doing there, sir, soldier? And he said, it's time for tea, mate. I said, time for tea, mate? I said, the Germans are in the woods there with their tanks, they're going to open up on you. And, oh, well, it's time for tea, mate. <laughs> well, they were making their tea and the Germans started opening up on them. They decided tea time was over. Okay. <laughs> so, but so
3: it they wasn't were, that important. They so. were,
4: there was a major difference right there. They waited for, for orders to do what to do next we just all we wanted to know is what the mission right. and it was up to us to solve the situation given the circumstance we were more entrepreneur soldiers and we moved on a thing right away you know yeah. and we were teamed. we were well trained we were hardly we were trained uh, tough and hard and so I was a major difference they were tough they were hard they were English and,
0: um, but they drank tea? They, they,
4: well, yeah. <laughs> matter of fact, I... In Under England, tank
5: fire, no. Yeah.
4: I used to go to their NAPTI when I was in England because I drank tea too. <laughs> My mother used to drink tea when she was in England. But um, um, that was uh, interesting <laughs> what they were doing, yeah. yeah. I saw Montgomery That's- then. He was about the distance between you and me. He looked like death warmed over too. Oh, man. He was put there to patrol Eisenhower. The British wanted to run that show, every the whole thing, as a matter of fact, and they were for coming in on the underbelly of Europe for uh, cutting off the Russians in the future. They figured that's what the real problem was going to become. Right. Matter of fact, at the end of the war, when I was talking to Germans, they thought we should fight the Russians now while they were still weak.
0: Yeah, and that's what Patton wanted,
4: right? Patton wanted to. Patton wanted. They wouldn't listen to him. No, they wouldn't. It's one of the
0: biggest mistakes they made.
4: And then they had uh, Eisenhower had. Montgomery to deal with, which we always wanted more material, more men, more more Americans wanted more stuff and never moved. And then uh, it was like uh, the uh, the um, Civil War, where that Washington General McClellan, what was it, McClellan something, that yeah. wouldn't move. Everybody really thought the war was going to be over in 15 minutes. Right. Yeah.
0: What was he wrong? Huh? He
4: wasn't going to move either. He right. wanted more yeah. of this and more of that. But um, and then De Gaulle, that was another one. Too. De
0: Gaulle. Oh well, yeah,
4: right. he had his hands full Eisenhower. Okay.
0: So when you guys took the Eagles Nest, were you a part of that?
4: Oh yes, I was uh, wounded in Holland, as you know, and I went. Right. Uh, and I remember being in Luxembourg for a, like a mass unit, and then, uh, but I don't remember anything after that because the next thing I knew, I was in in England, and to this day I have no idea. I know I don't walk on water. How I got there, <laughs> I, I have no easy. idea, and. Uh, but they were patching me up, and this guy had jammed his rifle in the air. And I was always on my face when they're working on my leg. Mm-hmm. Hey, how about this? Because so it's sticking out like this, you know. And they finally sewed that one. But I was there. I missed Normandy, by the way, You missed Normandy? That. Yeah, I was in the hospital with an infection went all the way around my neck and was gonna kill me, That's according to the uh, regimental surgeon. Right. He sent me to the hospital about two weeks before T-Day, and I missed T-Day man, after all that training, I'm not even with my unit, you know. Yeah, I'm sure it was hard on you, but, you know, things happen for a reason. Well, in retrospect, I think I lost, uh, I know Pepping, my buddy, there was a medic, he um, uh, he lost everything on the jump. Shoes, just tore everything off him when he made his jump. Oh, my gosh. He ended with no- nothing there but himself, you know. Yeah. Oh, by the way, i got to tell you how we started the very first day when I met Pepping. The very first day we went out, to the. I went out to the field, a little field right near Right near um, uh, the the can- with the tents, uh-huh. and uh, another guy came on that was Pepping, who became one of my medics, E Company, by the way. And uh, there was this tower there with a with a uh, uh, simulated C-47 doorway there. Okay. And I said, "Oh boy, they're going to make us jump out of there. We do not want to be kicked out before we even start, because we're going to. We don't want to chicken out, because they were." That we wanted to be paratroopers, and it would be ignominy upon ignominy to be kicked out. <laughs> so we went up and jumped, and uh, jumped down. Just free fell down, you know. Yeah.
0: No then, shoots or anything. Just practicing your landings, kind of thing.
4: I guess I don't know. Yeah. Because later, oh, a lieutenant happened to come out and just shortly after that, and he asked us what we we're doing. We told him uh, why and what we were doing, and he said, "Oh no, we haven't finished. We're going to keep. Cap- we're going to." And we haven't finished building it. There's going to be a cable going from the door all the way to the ground. And you drop down 15 feet, the length <laughs> of like your study, and then you slide down, you know. <laughs> dumb boy, dumb. Right. Right
0: no, we haven't finished that one yet. <laughs> you, know,
4: you know that that little tower uh, wiped out more guys than the towers of Benning did. Really? Yeah, the 250 towers. Yeah. Oh, man. They had one tower there where. One time, uh, they would take you up on a spring, no shoe, just a spring, mm-hmm. and they had uh, 250 feet, and they'd cut you loose, and you'd flip all over the sky, and they gave you a little short, a little short um, um, simulated static to pull the reserve, supposedly, and they'd give you a holler instructions to you while you're flipping around. That was fun. You knew you'd be all right so why worry you know right but it was a great spirit so your, Fun.
0: your first jump out of an airplane real airplane you can you remember that it was that? so
4: routine we'd been practicing falling and jumping off of uh, eight foot uh, ten foot and stuff uh, platforms and everything and how to roll and everything and so the jump to me to me not to everyone but to me was it just, just we just just out the door do. and it was the highest jump which was low 1500 feet my daughter's jumped at 5,000 my right. people jump at 13,000 by the 100 stop yeah
0: mm-hmm. little redhead there how, how high were you when you jumped
4: Probably yeah yeah they jump uh, there was a there was a uh, there's a uh, anchor person in Chicago uh, and that uh, is, uh, has made about a thousand jumps at 13,000 feet. her husband's a judge and he won't go near a plane. <laughs> but she goes up there they go up there like nothing like you know? nothing yeah yeah and uh, I'm with with PJs now and they used to jump the high low at 25 30,000 feet and when you look in your plane and see the temperatures out there oh yeah oh man I would never want to do that
0: so you uh you were with the PJs was it yesterday or today
4: today and yesterday let see if they, oh. and then uh, I have Tony, a... you,
0: can, you can talk if you want to. Yeah, you just turn that microphone on. Make sure it's on.
6: You hear me, Al?
4: Hi. Yeah.
6: So introduce okay. yourself. I'm uh, Tony Manuelli. I met Al uh, at a police conference, actually, in Illinois, and that's how we got hooked up about uh, two years ago now yeah and so al came out to our conference we do a TAC medical conference right? New which york. i'm sorry i didn't make it this year uh, it's all right hopefully next year bill yeah, had a good time year. uh yeah with our company medicine bad places and al came out there and uh al actually flew to new york by himself for this conference um and it was right in the middle of a storm so Al, tell him the story about the uh, the storm you flew into in
4: new york oh my it was a storm and uh JFK was shut down wasn't it oh yeah yeah and uh, he was going to take us to uh uh, uh, what do you call it the one at the other The Guardian The Guardian yeah and that's where the hotel was on uh, Long Island and it took us three hours because he had to pick up somebody at the JFK and then they had lost their luggage and we're going around in this all these cars honking and everything three hours of driving and he just took it right in stride and it's, that three hours went like a flash to get from the plane to the, our hotel wow but uh when Bastogne. Uh, oh, there were some terrible. That was like. Was that the worst? Would you say Bastogne? Yeah, the, it was the worst. And uh, there was one uh, German kid about seventeen years old that we captured, and he spoke some English. I, say, I said, "Hey, soldier, let's change uniform." He says, "Bosses has changed." I said, "Look, if you wear my German uniform, American uniform, you know we're going to Germany. You'll be, you'll be home. Right. If I wear your." German uniform. I'll send me home as a per- prisoner of war, but I'll be home. He looked at me. He, <laughs> he was kind of cocky for a prisoner. They're usually they're kind of count. The hell with you. He says, "You go to Germany. I want to go to the United States." He didn't want any part of going back. He didn't want to go back Uh-oh. at all. I cracked me up. And a lot of them never did come back. They were sent. I know that. That's true. Yeah. 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 a lot of them in Wisconsin. A lot of them didn't want
0: to. Didn't want to be a part of that. No, they're
4: that's forced. true. Yeah. Actually, I, I've always wondered how come we never. Got so many more people wounded and killed with all the firing, because when people fired and they want to kill somebody or hit them, we could, right. but they weren't firing. And uh, if you were to exchange uniforms between Fairbawks, not the SS, they were a different breed of cat. Right. Yeah. And um, uh, uh, you would not know the difference. They looked like us, even the Germans did yeah. quite a bit, you know, and uh, they had the same concerns about it. Uh, two years ago, we ran into a. Um, a um, Uh, We were in the woods, there were five of us veterans, and there was a clearing there with 250 graves with the black plaques on them, and the German cemeteries are always somber black places, and uh, I started reading the dates on the dates of birth and dates of, yeah, every one of them killed the same day, and it was 14, 15 year old kids, five of us veterans, not one of us felt good about all these dead Germans, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, they were just kids. So, uh, yeah. That's war though that's war. There are a lot of them that we were the first group we ever met were the um, uh, six uh, uh false and paratroopers. They were tough and then they start feeding in uh, younger people, untrained people and you can see right away they're not the same caliber you know right but after the war when you meet them we were sort of comrades in a way because we knew what each other had to do and what our missions were and stuff like that got a lot of respect for each other. Very good.
0: Yeah. So what what's next for Al Mamprey? Well, where where are you headed next after SHOT Show?
4: Well, let me see. I'm going to Florida, I'm going to uh, April. I go to the ITOA medical program they have going there. Uh-huh. I have people coming in from <laughs> South Carolina. And uh, I, I'm, people are coming and going all the time. And uh, I was with... Uh, um, Vice President uh, Pence uh, thanks to uh, Tony and uh, and then I got to see uh, uh, General Milley who is a four-star and in charge of the army and has now been upgraded to uh, as soon as it's approved of course yeah to chief of staff I think and he's going to take my daughter and me to next June for the 75th anniversary. Oh man, that will be nice. Oh, I think he's going to throw him in the ocean, to tell you. (laughs) (laughs) But he is, if I were to describe him, I'd say, I swear he eats nails for breakfast, toughest guy ever, and a real hockey ball, and, um, uh, but his wife came in the office, and she's a nurse, the nicest lady you could ever see, oh, he was nice. I could see why he was nice to He gave me a hockey puck with a crest on the top.
0: Are you a big hockey fan? Me,
4: no. Not
0: not so much. I'd be
4: more like the puck myself. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, we got to. I got to drive a, 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 a you know pilot a simulated helicopter thanks to him. Oh, I got awesome. to uh, actually pilot a one of their fast and small boats up to 65 miles an hour and that thing out yeah. in the Chesapeake. I got to throw the first ball out, and yeah, out.
6: Al had quite a week in Vegas. He was there for about four nights, and we did everything he could do. And we were uh, when he came to visit me. We, they drove the Coast Guard response boat, the 3,500 horsepower boat. They let Al have the helm of that thing. Oh wow. yeah, we took him up, we towed him the helicopter. He had a police escort everywhere he we went. Oh yeah,
4: with the motorcycles, with uh, sirens blowing and everything.
0: Heck yeah, <laughs> it was a good time. Now they they, they yeah. put you on a motorcycle.
4: No, they five of them were escorting us okay. with his car. They must have thought the king of Botswana was there or somebody you Didn't like take there. the Avalon? No, no, I, I flew there.
0: Okay. Yeah. You gotta drive. You gotta get that Avalon out. Drive it a little bit.
4: I can. My daughter. My daughter's always driving it. <laughs>
0: Your daughter's got it. <laughs> it's in good hands, right? Yeah, absolutely, it's absolutely. In good hands.
4: <laughs> yeah. Now what? Um, let me see. I don't know. Uh, I've seen things. I remember. It, funny things happen. Um, they're not funny, but they're odd. Uh, I remember one guy getting hit on the head with a mortar mortar shell. Hit him right on top of his helmet, knocked him down. He was okay. Just he got right back up, He huh? probably didn't have any brains, so it didn't even give him a concussion. <laughs> <out of that. laughs> and another guy got a bullet, went right through here, underneath his helmet, came out the other side. It was a spent bullet. Went now right you talk through. about uh, heroism, you know. There was a guy putting a wire up between... Uh, Division headquarters, right across from us, where we were, and some company out there in in Bastogne area, and um, a shell hit the the, uh, the wall he was on, right knocked him off. Right back up he goes. He had to string that wire up, otherwise they lose communication, and he, he was on a mission. Another shell yeah, hit, on a mission. bang off he goes again. He's back up there again. The third time was a charm. He made it, and he got that wire up. That was his mission. Right. Now looking at it objectively from the outside, you say, boy, that guy was a hero, you know. He could have quit right off the bat while it was ahead. But he had a mission. He accomplished yeah. his mission. Wow. That's what we all had. That's what we were trained to do. That's what they train you to do in the military. Yeah. Otherwise,
0: we, we would be a communist country now.
4: <laughs> now yeah. um, thus,
5: fo- thus the greatest generation. And,
4: the greatest generation. And, and focusing. I learned about focusing, too, on what your mission is. Going up and downstairs is a mission. Focus on your mission. <laughs> uh, you start yeah. just getting distracted, you're gonna break your neck. You know that's all yeah, it takes. In a split second, yeah. you're in big deal. Now, can I ask you about Sobel? Yes, he was what they said he was. Okay, I'm he was mean. He was even to his own officers. Uh, he had two uh, characteristics that didn't uh, endure him to his troops, and that was he couldn't read a map, and secondly, he. Uh, he didn't know where he was when he was out there in a maneuver. And uh, they thought he was going to get him out there to kill, and they get killed, and uh, they would get killed, and so they didn't want him as their leader. And, but he was tough. Yeah. He trained way beyond what the rest of us were being trained. The rest of the people were being trained. I was with his group. And uh, uh, so they told him. After the war, they would all acknowledge that he's the one that toughened them up. But uh, <clears throat> uh, they finally, Oh, they thought there was going to be a mutiny. They even had a machine gun out the head of our street. Oh, man, I was fit to be tired. And uh, even, I knew the sergeants real well. And um, one of them was the one that came up with the Band of Brothers concept. Um, uh, they, um, they finally replaced him with uh, Dick Winters. Now, his attitude was he had a lot of respect for his people. He, had a, uh, he was firm but fair and they had a lot of respect for him because he wouldn't fool around he didn't drink or anything like after uh after hours he'd be studying tactics and stuff like that he was a dedicated com- a leader mm-hmm. and they had a lot of faith in him and that turned it around to a positive relationship Wow. a band you know they banned bonded mm-hmm. they bonded, bonded on a positive basis a positive. yeah and so if, if you know could- i'm with a i got to know another person who owns the uh, Arlington track, Racetrack, Ducheswa, his name is. He was a tank, com- anti-tank commander, uh, major. He was uh, in uh, Foy in Novella, Postel. And he had 101st people in his tank, uh, and they were destroying Germans, and they were getting destroyed too, but they were destroying. They uh, saved our story, butt. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I got to meet him, and we got to be buddies. <laughs> he's such the nicest guy. It's amazing what my life has encountered
5: it'd just be impossible to live through those types of experiences and not have lifelong relationships. Yeah. I mean, I think Deer Camp is kind of cool, but no, it's nothing compared to what uh, what you've survived and dealt with with people.
4: Well, the thing I like about uh, about this uh, uh, is that every person in that um, in that organization, whether they're waiting tables at the... The, the restaurants in there, or they're we're dealing with the horses, or the vice president—they're all patron-oriented. They know where their meal ticket is, and, and I think they're a real role model for other companies. They're really wonderful, wonderful relationship. You can you can feel it when you're with them.
0: Now, is do you have? Does he have social media set up? Website, web page? No, Al doesn't have that. No, no. Okay.
4: Not if I can help it.
0: Now. <laughs> World War II veterans, is there are there some things where you guys still get together and
4: meet? Oh yeah, the 101st Airborne 101st. Division is very well-bonded. We, we meet every year, and Company E meets every year, too, separately as a company. And uh, they're really close. They're really close. You guys do that once a year? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, once you a
0: year. Keep in touch. Now, I them. never
4: started, I never, people always ask me, what did you do after the war? High school was an era of my life. Going to college was an era of my life. I just interrupted that to go to war. The era of war was an era of my life. And after that, get married, jobs, stuff. I became a psychologist instead of a minister. And uh, uh, so, to me, they were just compartmentalized portions of your life. And we didn't talk about the war. I would meet with a guy that was one of my medics every month, and uh, we'd talk about families and jobs. Mm-hmm.
0: And talk about and, what's going on in but life they expect
4: right you to be all, you know, what but I did have a flashback, and I used to dealt with people with flashbacks. The other day, well, not the other day, but last. Oh, I was on a cruise between New York and uh, Halifax with my daughter, and uh, they showed this picture, Sully, uh, the one where he lands in the Hudson, you know. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, they had, um, and they showed, uh, they had flashbacks throughout all, and one of them was the bad situation. And I suddenly had bullets all around me, literally oh. thought so. I mean, I had a flashback, and it happened just a second. I never had to experience anything like that. I, it was it was like it was there, and everything was happening. And that so, only happened one time? Yep, just once. There's and I'm time. at In a movie, at a movie. <laughs> you <sitting laughs> in a movie. Wow. Yeah. Something triggered it, I guess. Huh? Some, well, that movie did, yeah. That movie did? Yeah, oh, but I did. never had. Now I know how they feel when I was dealing with them, you know.
5: Yeah. Would this be a good time
0: to present a. Uh, gift or, yeah, or? we're going to do one more uh, thing here. We're going to let Tony do that. Yeah, and yeah. Then, Yes. Okay. Yeah,
6: yeah, we just do a shout-out to uh, some of the charities that we represent with Al. Um, honorthefallen.com is a veterans organization. A lot of the, the money that we fundraise through some of the pictures Al's selling today. He's actually going to give you guys a couple signed portraits to them. And then awesome. another one is uh, org. So if you guys are familiar with them, but our company donates a lot of money to them, and they uh, they run um, a charity run every year from the Tunnel uh, it was a fireman Stephen Siller run that they do every year, and they're actually building houses for disabled veterans now. So anyone that is disabled after the war, or police officers, firemen, they'll pay awesome. for their house and they'll they'll build that for them after. That's you know, great. That and give so, that website again. Definitely, it's uh, TunneltoTowers.org, and then the other one is HonorTheFallen.org. Honor okay. Those are two some of the organizations that we fundraise for.
0: I'm sure they're on Instagram. They definitely and Facebook are. Yep. and all that. Definitely. Okay, so you let us make sure you go and uh, and donate to those organizations. Okay. That's awesome. So uh, before we break here, I know you guys got other appointments. Uh, Al, we've got uh, a nice presentation that CJ would like to present you with.
5: All right, this is a. Uh, <clears throat> oh, wow! This is a little memento of your uh, time at Shot Show, but it is a, a woolly mammoth ivory handled knife. Wow! With, with Damascus steel blade
4: oh my, oh Damascus that Damascus be...
5: steel, so I've I've autographed the blade and oh, dated the... it SHOT Show 2019 oh my and just God. want to tell you how much we appreciate it's you beautiful. coming in and speaking and telling stories Thanks, yeah, oh thank my you so gosh
4: much. oh Matt makes Dundee look like a sickie <laughs> 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 I yeah, tell that's you. a knife mate that's that, a knife
5: that's that's mate a knife. A knife. right knife. there <laughs> It is
4: beautiful
5: so it's our pleasure. Thank you so much. Oh,
0: thank
4: you. Thank you.
0: Al, the, the Leadheads really appreciate you taking the time and sharing your story. You're welcome back anytime. Love to have you back on.
4: By the way, that Band of Brothers series. Yes, sir. It's pretty accurate. And there are a few Hollywood things in there, but generally speaking, it's pretty accurate.
0: Okay. I, did, I didn't know how much we should talk about the Band of Brothers, but yes, I, I've watched the series several times and always wondered the yeah, accuracy of it. That's why I that. made
4: this comment, yeah.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, very good. Now you weren't. Were you in that? Were you one of the
4: characters in the in the Band of Brothers? Yes, but it's not identified. So I'm in the Hell's Highway and some other books too. I
0: remember when you were telling the story about the, the guy with the map and getting shot. That scene was in there, right? Yeah, they, yeah, they well, had yeah. that scene in and there. And that was that. The medic was you.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but it was in a field, not walking in front of a tank or anything like. That. Gotcha. gotcha. That that scene was truly really changed. Yeah. <laughs> this has been a real pleasure on my party, and I thank you for inviting me. And I really thank you for that. I more than thank you for this. this no, is it's our pleasure. Of you. Wow.
0: All right, Beautiful. guys. We're going to be back with more from the 2019 SHOT Show here at the official headquarters of Buck Knives. That's you,
5: that
0: awesome. So here's all the,
5: here's all the packaging that.
0: All right, guys. So an awesome interview there with Al. I wish we had more time with him. We're going to definitely try to get him back on. But those stories that he – I mean, I could just sit in there and listen to him for days. And he had story after story. And for those who've seen the Band of Brothers, the HBO um, eight-part series that they did, that that story that he was telling about being in the field, that was actually a scene. can't remember which episode that was in, but uh, where he got shot in the leg and uh, went to the – got drugged to the farmhouse, and the lady was feeding him cherries. That was <laughs> – Just surreal, you know. But yeah, I mean, that was uh, those guys were just very mission focused. You know, it was all about the mission. They weren't didn't consider themselves heroes or doing anything out of the ordinary. You know, they just wanted to get to the next mission so they could get home, and that's that's what drove them. So the uh, the knife. So at the end, we presented Al with uh, or CJ presented Al with. I guess that's a one of a kind custom. Custom knife. It was absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, was, how did you come up with that? Handmade.
5: It was it was one at a time, handmade. It was uh, medallions of uh, mastodon ivory. <laughs> oh
0: my that gosh! You know, after
5: after being with Al for the hour or so that he was talking, you get a
3: you know you get a sense of how how you can interact and and
5: what uh, what liberties you can take. <laughs> it, so. It, uh, at the end, come up, come up around. Al presented him the knife. He was very impressed, and I told him that that uh, that how hard we had to look to find something that was older than he was. <laughs> I, I love I, that. I, I thought of that comment about a half hour earlier and was just agonizing over
0: whether you should uh, say so, it or not. You know, should I? Should,
5: <laughs> is this good? Will this be appreciated? Or and it, and after. After the rest of that time in that interview, uh, you knew that, that, that he'd appreciate it. And, and the gal that was pushing him around or, or being responsible caretaking. His
0: entourage. Yeah.
5: She just busted up laughing. So that, so with the two of them laughing, I, I felt like it was a risk. Uh, well taken. You were safe. <laughs> I saved. You weren't yeah. going to get wiped
0: out later. <laughs> I wish I was <laughs> recording wasn't that. wasn't there to
5: kick me under the table like usual. Right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it was classic. I mean, the timing on it was perfect and it fit right into, you know, his personality and his style of humor. And uh, what was it he said back to you? He says he's like, I, I, I don't have a comeback for that. That's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
5: It was, it was um, I'm either I'm speechless or I don't have anything to say about that. <laughs> right. It was, it was great,
0: so. Yeah, he, he definitely he appreciated
5: it. He just
0: a wonderful it. individual. So, I mean, um, other. So inter-
5: in him, I can see why we won. <laughs> right. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: So, some other interviews. Uh, like I said, we've got uh, Bob Taylor with Tether Guitars. Uh, we've got Geisley Automatics, Sentry Arms, uh, Alpha Guardian, Zenith Firearms, See Me Hunt, uh, Chris Avena is coming out with a new digital magazine. Cryptech. We had Butch Whiting, which I don't think he does very many uh, uh, he does, uh, he does. interviews. So that that's that, going to that be a good
2: time. That one. I, it was kind of surprising to see how long that went. And
0: yeah. How much well, after he warmed up to us, you know. He, yeah. Once he figured out so he, I wasn't there to he ambush out
2: what him. What it was all about. He he did pretty good.
0: Yeah. It it's a funny one too. Uh, we're definitely going to get Butch back on. He's got a lot more uh, to tell us as well. Um, Hat Point Target. I mean, we've, like I said, we've got over 30 awesome interviews. Some of those we doubled up with people. Uh, we got Joe Towers. He's a local guy here in the Tennessee area, does a hero for hunt, um, nonprofit. Steve and Jennifer Morgan, which those yeah. are friends, friends of yours, um, fitness, outdoor enthusiast. Uh, I mean, personality wise, you couldn't find a, a nicer, more bubbly couple. I mean, they were yeah. they were amazing. So I look forward to, to releasing that one. Occam Defense, which when we were doing the interview with Bob, um, you know, Bob's a very intellectual individual. Uh, Brian Keeney with Occam Defense is a, a physicist and a mechanical engineer. Uh, you know, we were sitting there trying to figure out some other ways that that ebony could be used. And I'm tossing around some ideas left and right. I'm getting shot down. And then in walks, uh, our good buddy Jeremy, Jeremy Smith with Smith and Bradley watches. And idea popped in my head. I was like, a watch. You need to do a watch out of ebony. So that could be a collaboration that we're going to see in the, the near future. Uh, oh, cool. and the list goes on and on and on. We had, uh, Yehuda, the Pew Pew Jew, uh, <laughs> hilarious, hilarious interview with <laughs> the Yehuda, uh, and, and lots more. So, and I got to say, probably the one that was equal with my interview our interview with, with Al was commander Tom Coulter. Yeah. I mean, what yeah. a, what a privilege and an honor that was because he definitely does, doesn't do interviews with people. I could tell. So how, how'd, you get him loosened up to do that? Uh,
2: that with, was just a matter of talking him into it. You know, just, we got, uh, you know, CJ has known him for a while, and, and I've been getting to know him over the last year or so, and just some constant communication. And once he was in the booth, that then it was going to be easy because, uh, you know, he was hanging around. He was being available for us and anybody that we brought to him. Yeah. And uh, he was yeah. also introducing us to some folks. But, oh, cool. But uh, it took a little bit of coaxing, but one, once uh, he started him in and on, we knew we had him. So, <laughs>
3: yeah.
2: He's, he's just a great guy, you know. He was a just a just a delight to have in the booth the whole show, and and,
0: uh, and after just, we had him on the first time, we couldn't get him off. He he came on to do another right. interview <laughs> where we yeah. talked about the um, the Buckmaster knives, the history. We had uh, Richard Nyman, the author, author. Uh, of yeah. the history of that, and uh, he talks about that, and then the new version of the Buckmaster that could be coming out. So we're working on yeah. work, work. It's it's in the mail, right? <laughs> so, so lots of great interviews coming up. Uh, you guys are definitely going to want to stay tuned. I'll be cranking these out just as soon as I can get everything edited and posted. Um, you
2: had a, you had a really good one with your optic sponsor, Brady.
0: Yeah. Right on. Stop by, um, lots right. of good things going on with them. Uh, some of their brand, what are the ambassadors? We've got got some stuff lined up with them in the near future. So lots and lots and lots, as you guys can expect from Talking Lead and 2019 SHOT Show from the official lead quarters there at Buck Knives. Again, thank you guys so much for making that happen. It was a beautiful setup. I mean, couldn't I ask for a, a better studio? No, that's good. It was a
5: pleasure having you on. We just and we want to officially on air uh, invite you to come out and do it again next year. Cause, uh, well,
0: there you go. Thank
5: you. It really nice. brought a lot of interesting people into the booth, which is exactly why we're there. So, it was excellent.
0: Well, thank you for that and accepted <laughs> invitation. And if accepted. You to,
5: if, you, <laughs> if you have to bring Bill, we understand. But <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it's, it's kind of a package deal, you know. As long as, much. as long as yep. he can get off, All He always. is
5: always welcome. But if you got to bring Bill, we we get it.
0: Yeah, Tia is a must. Got to have Tia. She's my social coordinator. Keeps me straight. So,
5: Well, you and,
2: you and Billy make a good-looking couple, I got to say.
3: <laughs>
4: you know, the,
2: the beards, I'm sure those tickle a little bit. but uh, Well, that's you
0: know what, what they're for, you know. It's that extra. It's that right. extra well, mile. But speaking of beards, there was a company there called Veteran Barbers for Veterans. is a nonprofit, and these guys – um are set up where are they set up, do you remember Bill? They have chapters all over the US, I believe. Okay. Um, but they travel around too. They had a nice little traveling barber shop there and uh I got my beard trimmed up. They did a, a excellent job on my beard because I was looking like Grizzly Adams. You were getting there. Yeah. Yes, yeah. You did. Um so you both saw me before was it Sunday when the tears thing was? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It was it was like way down here and they did a really nice job making me look good for the Buck Knives booth. So thanks to them for that.
5: Yeah, yeah we have standards. That's
0: right. <laughs> I figured you did. <laughs> you know, I I saw CJ's beard, and I'm like, uh, yeah, I got to work on this. So I yeah. get cleaned right. up, look respectable. Went out and bought me some suits because I normally just wear T-shirts and you know shorts to. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so speaking of Buck Knives, let's talk. New projects you guys got coming out, latest and greatest?
2: Yeah, so we had a whole lineup of our new product uh, there at the booth, and that's all, actually, that was out. So anything that uh, we are introducing uh, this year uh, was sitting out. We did have a little bit of the uh, slims that were introduced towards the end of 2018, and those have just taken off. The, that uh, entire line has skyrocketed, and, and we're – we're actually just building them as fast as we can to fulfill orders. Um, that's, those are based off the traditional 110 and 112 look, but they take on a sleeker, lighter, deep pocket carry clip, uh, um, new function. So those have been going really well. We introduced the pursuits, our new hunting line. Mm-hmm. Nice. And, uh, so those will be available, I want to say in the middle of February. Uh, To start purchasing and then we had uh gosh we had our new flipper our ball bearing flipper
0: talk about Um, that one
2: that so we have a couple of different levels we have our select which is our kind of our entry level uh with the poly handles but they're contoured you know they're super comfortable uh they have the uh, ball bearing flipper action and uh, the entry level comes with a 420 hc steel and got some real nice jimping on top of the blade, and then uh, we also have our Pro line, which is a we have a macarta, we have a burlap macarta, and a S30V steel. Um, everything's the same size, the same feel, but different materials: high end versus uh, your entry level. And those those have gotten really good reception. So we were just talking to sales today about that, and they're doing really well. Oh, so they're so smooth. They're, they're, they are. they're, they're amazing. The, the 840
5: series, uh, the Sprint. They're called the Sprint, and just outstanding, just amazing. Is that
0: because so, they're a real so quick
5: flip? Nice. You know, the kind of how we feel, you can cut stuff with just about anything. So a knife should be fun to play with, and these these are so smooth. They're just Fun to play with. Yeah.
2: Yeah, another, uh, you know, we're, like you had mentioned earlier, we've got the uh, traditional series that now have ebony Mm -hmm. uh, inserts. So those were all introduced at SHOT along with uh, Bob Taylor doing a little intro. We've teamed up with Cerakote down in Medford, Oregon. And, uh, you know, we're doing quite a bit there to enhance our value uh, by inserting uh, Cerakote Uh, parts on our products. So we brought that process internally. Mm -hmm.
5: And, uh, you know, another, another invitation uh, to you, Marty, is to come out and do a tour of of our factory.
0: That would be phenomenal. Yeah, I would love that.
5: So we've been embarking on a number of external processes. and We bought the equipment to do that in house. We have better control. We have better inventory control, better quality control. But we also have better delivery. And one of our customer service goals is delivering product on time. And if you control the process, you've got a better chance of, of doing that. So not only yeah. do you get those better deliveries, it's it saves you money, but you also have a better result. You have a better process that, that you now own. And so we brought the Cerakote in-house a robotic arm. It's a. It's a. It's a. It's a ceramic-based paint. It's a bake-on. Does an amazing coating. It's a great bearing surface. It's better action. Right. Better corrosion resistant. I mean, it adds a lot of function, and, oh, and the fact that we're doing that in house yeah. uh, it's just good. I mean, it's just plain beneficial to us.
0: Your grandfather would be proud because he says those features have to have functions. Yes.
5: Exactly. Right? Yes, sir. <laughs> <Huh>? Yep. <laughs>
0: Yeah, he w- grandfather approved.
5: <laughs> yeah, no, he would have been uh, he would have been all over that. No, no question about it. That would have been an easy capital expenditure to get to get the
2: chairman to approve. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it'd be good. That would be actually a pretty cool live event, you know, when you and Billy get get out here this spring.
0: Yeah, um, that would be
2: awesome. That would be. Yeah, you can take I'm a look and see how it works.
0: Now, a question that I've gotten from a couple of leadheads is. And again, you have to forgive me because knives are new to me, and that's why I wanted to get involved with you guys because I want to bring a whole new dimension to the show. And you know, I want to talk more knives. You know, knife education, the steels and the you know, the fixed blades versus the flips, and you know, all the benefits and cool things of of knives. Kind of like the AK corner that I'm doing now to learn more about AKs. I'd like to do a uh, a knife corner. I'll come up with a catchy name for it, but definitely want, want to get you guys involved with that to educate me and also our listeners, which are, my listeners are a lot more educated than I am. The 110 and 112, uh, do they not come with pocket clips?
5: No, those are both folding lockback knives that come in sheaths.
0: Okay. Are there plans for a to put a pocket clip on those? No. Nope, not at all. You're going to keep it traditional. Uh,
5: they're actually too heavy. They, they'd be... They're 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 brass, so they're just too heavy. That wouldn't really be functional.
0: Yeah,
2: that's why we have come out with those slims because they're based off of those models, mm-hmm. but we wanted people to be able to carry them in their pocket without you know having the weight constriction.
0: Right. Well, there's your answer to that, lead heads. So <laughs> go for the slim. Still get your one tens and your one twelves, but you can also add that that slim to it too.
5: Yes, yeah, the same exact blades and same exact inner parts. So it's the same basic strength. Right. Uh, without the weight and without the sheet because it comes with a clip. Perfect. And that seems
0: to be the thing people are going after these days is reduced weight. You know, everybody wants to get lighter because it seems like we're carrying a lot more stuff on our persons with the cell yeah. phones and the chargers and the cords and, you know, your EDC, your pocket, your flashlight, uh, your pocket knife, your flashlights. Your firearm for you know those concealed carry guys like me. Uh, so it's nice to get lighter, take up less real estate on your belt and your pockets. That's
1: right. Well, now, now one question I had: How long have you guys been doing the one ten autos? Because I never thought that blade would ever come out in an auto, and that's that's really freaking cool to me to see that feature.
5: Yeah, we we uh, we introduced that in the the tail end of 2014. So I've been way behind the curve on that one. Sorry. <laughs> well, it it, it took us a while. You know, there's there's a lot of dialing in. There's a lot of function in a lockback that uh, that it was it was difficult. You know, a lot of people have been customizing our folding hunter into autom- into an automatic knife. And if you do that stuff one at a time, you you can dial it in. When you try and put something in a production context, uh, it took a lot more design and development. On our part, so they they haven't been widely distributed until the last couple years. Yeah, and the one twelve is fairly new. And the one, yeah, the one twelve was twenty eighteen, I think. Yeah, last year we introduced it last year.
0: Cool. And that is uh, the Ranger. Is that the one twelve?
5: Yes, the one twelve is the Ranger. I think a lot of people really like the one ten and one twelve as an automatic because the the same weight we were talking about earlier. Mm. why it wouldn't be good with a clip because it's too heavy right. when you when you push the button and fire an automatic knife you don't want that torque to feel like the knife's going to come out of your hand right the weight of that grass makes uh just makes the knife a, really a pleasure to open it 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 uh it's almost like shooting a heavier rifle you 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 uh it just eats up some of that momentum and it just feels
0: smooth more comfortable. More
5: comfortable. yes
0: yeah it's very smooth
5: yeah, I agree.
1: I was playing with them at the booth and completely agree with that. Where's that music coming?
0: Oh, I'm sorry. I've got Quigley down under in the background. <laughs>
2: like,
0: I, I can't hear it because I've got my there? headphones on.
2: I'm just glad it was you, Lefty, that had everything yeah. going on because it was like you're probably I figured you were cursing under your
5: breath like who was doing this? Who's playing yeah.
0: I wish you would have said something to me earlier because I I've got the headphones on, I couldn't hear. So
5: it, it only got loud right there at the end. Yeah. It, it, it's been super light earlier.
0: Well, dad it. So there you go, guy. You get a little, uh, background Quigley down under for the for 282, talking about 282. So, yeah. <laughs> well, let's do this to make it up to our listeners for my, my stupidity and keeping my Quigley down under running. Let's go ahead and bill, uh, Chris yes, EDC pocket dump rewards program. The Talking Lead, Buck Knives, Streamlight, FLEOA rewards program that we're offering to our listeners exclusively. And yeah. we've had, uh, since you know we got on everybody's butt to participate, we've gotten a lot more uh, participation and they keep rolling in. So let's give one away today. What do you say? Let's do, do it. I'm good. So have you explained to CJ what we're doing, Brooksy?
5: No, it was a need-to-know basis. Okay. So, so don't tell them.
2: Okay.
0: So I'm not going to tell you what's happening. <laughs> so what are we doing? <laughs> so as, uh, as you you listeners know and you new listeners, we'll, we'll fill you in briefly on what's going on. So we're running, uh, I guess it would be an awareness or a, uh, I don't know what you would call it, but what we're wanting was we're wanting to promote the cohesiveness between our Sheepdog, which would be our fire department, our law enforcement officers, our first responders, and the civilians. So we're asking our listeners that are civilians to go and visit their local police station, fire department um, station, first responders, wherever it may be, or if they see them out in public, just go up, shake their hand, tell them how much they appreciate their service and everything that they do uh, for our for our community. And then on the transverse of that, we're asking. The sheepdog, as they're out in public, just to approach uh, civilians, and uh, just take a selfie, shake their hand, introduce yourself, let them know you're there to to serve and protect, and uh, that's all we're asking. We just we just want to counteract the negativity that the media has put out there uh, against our our law enforcement, fire department, first responders, and, and showing them in a the negative light. Uh, so. What we're asking you to do is take a take a selfie, post it on Instagram, Facebook, you know, social media. I've even given you uh, archaic people who don't have those accounts the opportunity to take part as well. You can email me pictures, and we've had people that have taken advantage of that. Uh, but it's one caveat: I get to post them, so I'm going to post them if you send them to me to be eligible. If you don't want me to post them, you're not eligible. Uh, so that's the only uh, the stipulation there. And we've had great response. Last week was it Doug Cross that was the winner or last episode?
1: Doug Cross, yes.
0: Yeah, Doug Cross was the winner last episode. And uh we're going to go through here and I think who I'd like to pick this week, uh this gentleman actually took his children with him. So he's got two daughters and they went to their local fire department and not only did they take pictures but he did some video as well interacting oh, nice. with the the folks there at the uh the fire the fire station. And the winner is Drum roll, please. (laughs) Kenneth McGee. Kenneth McGee, you are the winner of this episode's EDC Pocket Dump Rewards program from Buck Knives, Streamlight, Talking Lead, and Fleowa. And, oh, we're giving away a watch, too, CJ. You you remember Jeremy Smith? I do. Defy Watches. um, Fleowa has a, a nice stock of the battlefields, and Bill has donated those for this program as well. So you get a Streamlight Flashlight, you get a Buck Knives, it's the uh,
1: Blue Line Spitfire,
0: Blue Line Spitfire, oh, nice. and, yeah, and a Defy Battlefield Watch. So somewhere in the neighborhood of $250, $300 package that we're giving away, and we're doing 10 of those, five civilian, five sheepdog. So our civilian winner is Kenneth McGee this week. So you sheepdog got to pick it up. I've not seen, not seen many of those posted, so I uh, want to see those from you guys. You're eligible as well. You got anything to add to that, Bill?
1: No, they're doing a great job. Keep it up, Leadheads. Uh, I want to see more. I appreciate all the support and involvement, and can't wait to see what comes down the line here.
0: There you go. Very good. Uh And Kenneth, uh, talkinglead at gmail.com. You're going to have to shoot me your contact info, and I'll get that over to Bill, and he'll get you your reward program. Uh, and uh, we had lots of other people. We had uh Wesley Abshire, Patrick Lynch, uh, Spence Tyler. He did a volunteer fire department and a first responder Kirk Lawson. He's an emailer, Greg Novak. He's an emailer. I just need you guys to respond to me and give me the thumbs up, um, that I can repost those. But from this point forward, if you send me an email with your picture, it's getting reposted. That just, is giving me your consent by doing that. So I'll just say it now. Um, yeah, yeah, there you go. So guys, great show. Uh, is there anything else that uh, that you guys want to cover before we sign off?
5: No, it was it was great. Really enjoyed meeting you at Shot Show. It was uh, it was a ton of fun. Really brought a lot of interest and energy to to the booth, uh, and so I, it was just a ton of fun.
0: Well, that's that's what we set out to do. So mission accomplished.
2: <laughs> must, must have been good if CJ has already invited you for next year, <laughs> <laughs> and he
0: did it officially on air. Wow.
2: Yeah. I did. Yeah. I did. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> yeah. I have to talk to my editor, right? You the fine printing. Clear, right? Yeah. That's
0: right. Yeah. The fine print is. <laughs> so big thanks to all the companies that make the Talking Lead podcast possible. Make sure you go visit On Optics, the official optics of Talking Lead. Right on R-I-T-O-N optics.com. Modern Spartan Systems for all your gun cleaning and lubrication needs. Modern Spartan Systems got you covered. Go check out our buddies at modernspartansystems.com. Kel-Tec, they've got, and we didn't get kel on this year at SHOT Show. That's a first. I know Chad wow. came by a couple of times, uh, and we were just like completely full. But we did a show with Chad a uh, couple of previous episodes, so he kind of got us caught up on the latest and greatest. Uh, but it's always a good time to have Chad on, and you know we'll have him on again soon. Uh, Keltech Weapons, check them out, keltecweapons.com. 1776 United, the official swag of Talking Lead. You guys go get your Talking Lead t-shirts, your Leadhead Head Brigade t-shirts, your patches at 1776united.com. Uh, and then, of course, Bill, CJ, Chris, your evil black assault mugs, the Talking oh, Letty. Geez. Better than a Yeti, the Talking Letty. Keeps your drinks minutes colder or hotter than a Yeti. Don't be a snowflake. Get your talking leddy.
5: <laughs> <laughs> you like that? I do. Yeah. I like that.
0: Go to dip 123com dot com forward slash talking lead. and we've got two different sizes there right now that you can get, and they're the same price. So go inundate Danny and uh, agitate him by ordering all those cups. There yeah, we go. He'll love it. That'll make it. And 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 again, big thanks to Danny for the shirts. He uh, he did the uh, talking led official Leg Quarter Buck Knives t-shirts this year, so big thanks to Danny for those. Modern Spartan Systems, for all your gun cleaning, gun lubing, gun optimizing products, check out ModernSpartanSystems.com uh, i got,
1: got to give a shout out to Buck Knives and the Anteriors Alliance and everybody who donated Caltech, uh, CJ, all, all those that in for the silent auction of the Anteriors Alliance Triumve Guys, thank you so much. We raised about $3,000 for the Miseola Foundation. Greatly appreciate all your support. Thank you. Yeah, that, that was excellent. Glad, uh, glad we could be a part of it. Already planning next year. All right, just come Casey, so uh, <laughs> we'll be talking more about that.
0: And, of course, X-Steel Target.
3: X-Steel Targets.
0: <laughs> the best, most affordable AR-500 Steel Targets on the market today are X-Steel Targets. Check them out, x Bud came by the booth. Uh, Bud Sanson, he's the owner of Steel Targets, had a beard. I didn't recognize him. He came up and, inter- and didn't really introduce himself. He started talking to me, uh, and I had my Mason pin on, and he's a Mason also. And he's, oh, I didn't know you were a Mason. You know where you're from? I was like, who's this guy? He's, he's acting like he knows me, and it was it was Bud. So Bud, I'm sorry I didn't recognize you with the beard, buddy. But we're gonna get Bud on. They've got a lot of new things that they're gonna be offering through. Uh, X Steel Targets as well. They're good. They're doing seracoding. They're doing laser cutting, so they can custom cut targets. So a lot more services coming from X Steel Targets as well. Guys, that does it for another episode of the Talking Lead Podcast. As always, Leadheads keep your loved ones close
1: and your firearms closer. And your bucket knives in your pocket.
0: Perfect. <laughs>